<laughs> I'm glad you are. You 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 put together innovation, and it's fun. And I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. And shut up! Shut up! Shut up! End of day. The freedom of speech is being taken away. They can't. Someone else they die. Uh, I can't believe it's happening. Whatever. Monkey bite. We don't care if it's true. Just say it's selling. That might be Anything you practice, you'll get good at. Including in what was it, 1997, Michael? Anil? And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I'm a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe i do admire you for your curiosity live and direct right now on the TuneIn radio app search end of days and you'll find the 24 7 network my guest tonight is james fetzer jim is a former marine corps officer has published widely on the theoretical foundations of scientific knowledge computer science artificial intelligence, cognitive science, and evolution in mentality. McKnight Professor Emeritus at the University of Minnesota Duluth. He has also conducted extensive research into the assassination of JFK, the events of 9-11 amongst many, many more. And of course, he is a proud affiliate of this program. You can find his work at moonrockbooks.com. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Welcome back to another dose of the Michael Deacon program. Tonight will be a bit of a rattlesnake, I do promise you that. Always an honor and pleasure to be here. Thank you to those listening here in America and those who listen outside of America, of course. Thank you for your great support. For those who are new in attendance, let me remind you that this is a call-in show, and that number is 760-332-8724. One more time, 760-332-8724. Now, I'm pretty sure the guest is awaiting. Jim, are you there? I am here, Michael. My goodness. Thanks for being here. Always an honor and pleasure to have you on the program, Jim. Well, I'm fascinated by your suggestion that you have received uh, criticism for featuring me, so I'm eager to discuss it. I believe oh, yes. in tackling these things head on. Oh, yes. Jim, and I'm, I'm so glad you said that. And by the way, the last time you were here, you joined me for the interview with Mr. John Lear. Yeah, that's right. That's right. John was on. Yeah, he's a terrific guy. I'm such a, I so admire him. That was fun, right? Sure. That was a great time. And, yes, hopefully we could do that again in the near future. And, Jim, I must say, um, I've gotten so much criticism for having you on this program. Um, you and Mr. Robert David Steele are amongst the most who I believe I get the most criticism about. Well, that's very interesting because Robert David Steele seems to me has been blowing some major whistles and outing a lot of uh, government malfeasance. So the fact that... The two of us are being attacked here suggests a pattern of an effort to suppress the truth being revealed about some major cons perpetrated by the government or its subordinates on the American people. Yes, it's really interesting. And everyone knows, well, you put yourself out there and everyone kind of knows exactly who you are. So why anyone would suggest the things that they do is 
beyond me, sir. Well, tell me, uh, I mean, you know, if they really had something serious, they'd give you specific points on which he or I are supposed to be wrong. They'd give reasons for how they know we're wrong. But I'm going to venture the guess that you're not getting that at all. Instead, you're receiving generalized, vague smears yeah. suggesting I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm a kook. I'm a nut. I mean, and the same things or similar things are being said of uh, of Robert David Steele. That's exactly it. I've been getting those messages privately on, on Twitter, and then once I blocked that individual, even after I explained to him exactly who you were and what you stand for, he decided to uh, email me, which is just ridiculous. He, he started up again. Well, I'm not going to ask you to disclose the names here, but there are some, you know, shills out there who are regular. It appears that... Uh... Uh, the government has a whole host of these people. There's some uh, in relation to Sandy Hook who have proven to be especially obnoxious. One of them, Lenny Posner, who claims to be the father of Noah, most unusual little boy, who not only reportedly died in uh, Newtown on the 14th of December 2012, but again in Pakistan on the 16th of December 2014, who sent a death certificate to Kelly Watt after she'd spent 100 hours conversing with him and explained she didn't believe a word he said, she didn't believe he had a son, didn't believe he died. And would you believe what he sent to her was a fabrication, the bottom half of a bona fide birth certificate, the top half of a fake, didn't have a file number, didn't even have the right to estimated time of death because it stated 11 a.m. when the shooting was taking place between 9.30 and 9.35. Needless to add, if he had had a son who had died at Sandy Hook, he would have been able to send a real death certificate, not a fake one, which demonstrates in and of itself that the whole thing is an elaborate charade. And where, Michael, we've been able to prove that they fabricated the kids out of photographs of older children when they were younger. In the case of Noah Posner, he was fabricated out of photographs of Michael Vabner, who right. was purported to be his older stepbrother. And for anyone who wants to review the rather thorough study we did of this, check out Sandy Hook Charade. Noah Posner was Michael Vabner as a child. And, you know, so many elements of this case converge. In fact, I was going to mention to you, Michael, that among my most recent blogs is one that went up today. Sandy Hook, the James Tracy trial is going to the jury. Here's what you need to know. If you enter that title or just put in, you know, jamesfetzer.blogspot.com Sandy Hook or jamesfetzer.blogspot.com James Tracy, you're probably going to get it right away. Because I thought it would be useful for us to go through to review some of the most powerful proofs we have that this whole thing was uh, a hoax on the American people and has been a very costly one for the public because they have contributed somewhere between 27 and $130 million in donations, which have been divided by the 26 families purporting to have lost uh, friends or loved ones. And that works out to in excess of a million bucks apiece for feigning to be the parents of a child who died during a FEMA drill, Michael. It's yes. stunning to me. Right. And I mean, the, the mm -hmm. price of crisis actors is uh, fairly astronomical in the case of Sandy Hook. But it was all coming, you see, not out of the government's pocket, but out of the pockets of decent, ordinary, hardworking Americans who were taken in 
by the emotional impact. This was a very cleverly designed scam to maximize emotional impact. People, people, Michael, get just as emotional about Sandy Hook, you know, explanations, yeah. denials that anyone died there as do the f fans of the Beatles become emotional over the idea that Paul died and on ironically 9-11-1966 and was replaced by an even better musician. And I can give you absolute technical forensic proof that that has happened. So, you know, yes. and what we have here on this blog, uh, I'd love to go through with you. Michael, we we definitely, we definitely will, but I wanted to backtrack just really quickly here. I, I did find some of those messages. I thought I had deleted those, but I'll definitely send you a thorough copy of it. But um, one of the things they said was, why did you interview John Lear? He is a liar and a deceiver. Be careful. And so is James Fetzer. And he says, I'm telling you for your own good, if they are on the CIA's payroll to spread false information or not, I obviously don't know, but they both spread lies. Michael, this is just crap. Outrageous. Like this person to show me one lie that I'm telling you. I have spread. Uh, they probably can't even define what it is to tell a lie, because to tell a lie, you have to be asserting something that is false that you know to be false, and yet you go ahead and assert it anyway with the deliberate intent of misleading your audience. John Lear and I may have some false beliefs. We would be other than human were that not the case. Sure, because right. It, 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 the capacity to make mistakes is a, a criterion of what it is to have a mind. I could explain that in some detail, but I've demonstrated that in my technical philosophical work. So... You know, we may have made some mistakes, but to suggest Don Lear or I are a liar or more absurdly on the payroll of the CIA is simply, what, mendacious? I mean, the word for it is, is stupefying for the following reason, which ought to be very obvious at this point in time, Michael. It's pretty fallacious uh, to make up those kind of things. Uh, well, I've been spending 25 mm -hmm. years outing the government over JFK. 9-11, Wellstone, Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, uh, Dallas and Orlando, the moon landings, more recently Charlottesville. I'm doing a book on Las Vegas right now. I mean, look, if I were working for the government, I'd have to be the most counterproductive, the least successful in the history because I've been outing the government again and again and again and again. And for this person to be implying I'm on the government payroll. I mean, that's just uh, moronic. Yeah, you weren't a shill, especially, yes, you weren't a shill for any kind of CIA psyop, and you were even on Fox News bearing them. That's right, that's right. Yeah, I think my first interview with Oli North was uh, just a, such a complete sensation where I was able to take control. A friend of mine noticed Oli wasn't back on TV for about five years after I oh dispatched him during that show in June of 2006. Right, and so that's why I, I had emailed you once you um, sent me one of your blog posts through an email about um, this gentleman who interviewed you and also had interviewed you before with uh, in I, I guess she I guess he had uh, Miss uh, Judy Wood on the phone. Oh, 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 let's see. That was, uh, I believe it was Bob Tuscan. Uh, this was a real odd thing. Ju Judy Wood, by the way, has sicked her hounds on me thousands of times. Now, this sounds like an exaggeration, but actually it's an underestimate. And it's a completely 
indefensible. Uh, Talk about showing ingratitude. I was the person who put Judy Wood on the map. Uh, I interviewed her, and to my knowledge, I'm the first to interview her on, I believe it was 11th of November, 2006. Uh, the first of what would be 15 different interviews I'd do with Judy Wood. I was pioneering uh, the interactive use of the radio and the uh, computer because I would take our viewers, our listeners, to her blog. And we'd go through her blog, and Judy would talk about her findings and results, and I did it not once, not twice. I did it 15 times. Here's here's another point. When I organized the uh, the uh, the first conference on 9-11 sponsored by Scholars, which was held in Madison in 2007, entitled right. the, the Science and Politics of 9-11, I gave Judy Wood an unprecedented three hours to speak. Now, Michael... I've given, you know, conferences and participated all over the world. I mean, Understood. You know, yes. probably a hundred by conservative estimate. No one is ever given three hours to speak. But I gave Judy Wood three hours to speak. I gave her attorney, Jerry Leapart, whom I regard as a very fine man, the opportunity to speak. I gave Morgan Reynolds, who's a close ally of hers, the opportunity to speak. So, you know, how she can you know, send out her attack dogs, and one of them uses the name Emmanuel Goldstein and, you know, regularly shows up on my blogs, on my videos, whatever, to harass me. Yeah, I think I've seen uh, that when name. I, when, when I received a particularly vicious attack from one Thomas Potter, who's a spokesman for Judy, uh, I drafted a rather thoroughgoing response and hit reply all because it had been sent to a list of about ten. And one of them bounced, uh, uh, Michael, and it bounced from the ADL. So that's Ooh. where Judy Wood is coming from. She's part of the uh, Anti-Defamation League, which is the intellectual attack arm of the Mossad. And, of course, they're attacking me because I make no bones about the fact that Israel was complicit in 9-11. For that reason, I and... uh Christopher Bolin and uh, Kevin Barrett and Gordon Duff and Alan Sabrowski, among others, have been demonized. In fact, four of us were on a hit list put out by the anti, uh, the ADL for uh, anti-Semitic and uh, 9/11 conspiracy theorists. But M- Michael, I don't make any assertions where I haven't already done the research or else I specifically state that this is a speculation. The research I've done demonstrating Israel's complicity in 9-11 can be found online. Go to the Brian Rue, R-U-H-E. Just put in Brian Rue, R-U-H-E, comma, 9 slash 11, and you'll have it a two-hour comprehensive overview that demonstrates that all four of the planes, uh, you know, their crashes were all fabrications, all fakery. Two of them weren't even in the air that day. Flight 11, North Tower, Flight 77, Pentagon. Uh, The other two, pilots for 9-11 Truth, was able to track based upon air ground communication and found that uh, one of them was over Champaign-Urbanda, Illinois, uh, after it had allegedly crashed in Shanksville. The other was over Harrisburg and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, long after it allegedly hit the South Tower, where I obtained FAA registration records and was able to establish that the planes used for those flights, and remember, you know, the same aircraft could today fly from Miami to Chicago tomorrow from New York to L.A., 
were not even taken out of service or formally deregistered until 28 September 2005. So how can planes that weren't even in the air have crashed on 9-11? And how can planes that crashed on 9-11 have still been in the air uh, four years later? I mean, the whole thing is absurd. David Ray Griffin, by the way, in his magisterial work, the 9-11 Commission Report Omissions and Distortions, makes as his very first point that six or seven of these guys turned up alive and well the following day and made contact with the media in in the United Kingdom. Which means, of course, uh, they didn't commandeer planes and cause them to crash. It also means that no passengers died on planes that did not crash. It means that the whole war on terror is predicated on a false proposition. But Judy's attacking me primarily for having observed that her book, Where Did the Towers Go?, uh, although it appears to give an argument to rule out the use of large nukes, does not uh, dispense with the use of a sophisticated arrangement of mini or micro nukes, where I pointed out that the U.S. Geological Survey conduct, conducted dust studies from 35 locations in Manhattan and turned up with a whole host of elements that would not have been present had this not been a nuclear event, including uh, a barium, uh, lithium, strontium, uh, 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 thorium, uranium, lanthanum, yttrium, chromium, tritium. Some of these, Michael, only exist in radioactive form. That's true. But but Judy Wood, who pretends to be a scientist, is unwilling to accommodate this new data, which means she's really perpetrating a fraud on the public by pretending to be a scientist. This was on the Pete Santilli show, right? Pardon me? It was uh, Pete Santilli. Oh, I'll come back to that. Oh, okay, but we'll here, go around there. Here, here, uh, here is Judy Wood pretending to be a scientist, but scientists know you have to revise your position. You have to reject hypotheses you previously accepted, accept hypotheses you previously rejected, and leave others on suspense when you're confronted with additional new information. But she has never responded to this USGS dust study information. So before, before I... Uh, conducted the conference known as the Vancouver hearings in 2012, by the way, which was the second conference sponsored by scholars. In spite of the fact that we'd had a falling out like around, I think it must have been 2008, when she was on with uh, John Hutchison, who claims to have made all these astounding discoveries and levitating mammals and all that sort yes. of thing in his garage. Mm -hmm. Michael, I asked him what I thought was a completely innocuous question to wit, what was his background with respect to, you know, science and physics? Because these all fall in the area of electromagnetism, which is among the most complex in physics. And he just sloughed it off. He said he flunked crayons and coloring books, which Judy thought was hilarious. Oh. But I regard it as infantile. <laughs> And I moved on to another topic because obviously he wasn't going to answer my question. Yes. But in spite of this and that Judy Wood has cut me off completely and continued to sick her attack dogs on me ever since, before the <coughs> Vancouver hearing, I invited Judy to be a speaker. I invited John Hutchison to be a speaker. Hutchison had actually agreed to do it. I mean, he resides not all that far from Vancouver. But Judy obviously got a hold of him and cut him off. In fact, there was another physicist who had agreed to speak too, and that Judy, you know, wound up uh, strong arming not to participate in the conference. I believe in bringing all points of view together. 
Right. And, you know, hashing it out based upon the evidence using reason and rationality, which is the core of scientific method. But these groups, and I don't mean to fault only Judy and her do group, who are unwilling to address who is responsible and why, but also that's true of architects and engineers led by by Richard Gates. I, I mean, can't was, I can't deny that by the way. Um I, I've spoken to Richard about this this issue and of course I got no answer. No, he claims that their charter restricts them to how it was done, but he has a hopelessly inadequate theory of how it was done. He is still reiterating the use of nanothermite, which T. Mark Hightower, who's a chemical engineer, had established back in 2011. We published three different articles about it. One was entitled, Is 9-11 Truth Based Upon a False Theory? Another was entitled, uh, If It Doesn't Fit, Nanothermite, If It Doesn't Fit, You Must Acquit. We discovered that nanothermite simply doesn't have the explosive power to blow apart the building. I mean, uh, it has one-thirteenth the explosive force of TNT, which would mean, roughly speaking, you need 13 times as much nanothermite as you would TNT to achieve the same explosive effect. So why in the world would anyone want to resort to nanothermite? In fact, one of the proponents of the nanothermite theory, uh, uh, a guy from uh, Copenhagen, Niels Herrett, when asked how much nanothermite would it take to blow apart a one of the twin towers, a 500,000-ton steel and concrete building, he gave the answer, staggering, 29,000 metric ton. 29,000 metric ton. Yeah, that's I a mean, lot. That is mind-boggling. Yes, it, it really is. It really is. And, of course, I've always kind of been put off by Judy, especially uh, the email exchanges we've had. She came off kind of bad in that whole uh, dialogue we had. Unfortunately, putting it, putting it bluntly, she's a nasty piece of work. Yes. And this, this I'm being thing, polite. Right, this, I'm, I'm being polite tonight. Two different occasions where I <laughs> yes. had direct encounters with her after she cut me off. One was on the Bob Tuscan show where she was appearing and I asked her, I called in and I asked her, why does she deny she has a theory? Because Judy goes out of her way to claim again and again and again she doesn't have a theory when it says right on the cover of her book, Evidence of the use of direct energy, free energy technology on 9-11. Well, That's then correct, her theory, yes. obviously, is that free energy technology was used on 9-11. Why not say that? And would you believe, I mean, this is, to me, so totally repulsive. This woman even said to the host that my calling in to ask her that question was like her having to confront a rapist. Oh, yes. I mean, Michael, yeah, this is so crude. This is so uh, below the belt. This is so unscrupulous. And let me give you another hint. Judy Wood has made up uh, the image of a clown uh, that she has named after me. You can find online. I mean, it's Fetzer the Clown. Oh, and this, no. This is her theory. This is how she deals with me in a rational, scientific, objective fashion. She makes a little... Uh, cartoonish image of a clown and names it after me. I mean, that's Judy Wood. The other case you're talking about was where I was on the Pete Santilli show. Correct. And this was, uh, geez, I'm trying to think, it was maybe 2016, I'm going to guess. Uh, early, I'm going to guess. And, and it turned out that Pete just keep ask, kept asking me the same questions over and over again. There were four or five, but they were the same questions. It went on for two solid hours, Michael, of him asking me the same questions over and over. 
it turned out that Judy Wood was on Skype telling oh, him what boy. to ask. He lost his producer over this. Suzanne Bozell uh, uh, quit because working with Pete Santilli because of this absurdity. Yeah, that's now, pretty, it, pretty awful to I, do. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I was not going to hang up on him, even though that was the objective, because I knew that they'd say Fetzer ran away from the hard questions about 9-11. What was stupid? It was just harassment, pure, utter harassment. It was the most single, most unpleasant interview I ever had, and it was all a setup and worked out between Santilli and, and Judy in advance. Yeah, it was an ambush. Yeah, it was an ambush. But, I mean, I, I was damned if I was going to, you know, abandon the field. So I just kept repeating my answers and explain you're asking the same question for two hours. Yeah, if they thought you're, they were going to get you in any certain way, they were just wrong. I mean, you face some of the biggest uh, names out there. So, I mean, it's it's kind of kind of funny that they that they would even try to do that to you. By the way, I've published a lot about, you know, Judy and A&E 9-11. Uh, you can find it, for example, online. I did a, a the Midwest 9-11 Truth Conference. It may have been in 2014, uh, which was held in Champaign-Urbana. And it was just a three-hour deal where I used the first hour to play A&E's video called explosive evidence okay because they're claiming right. you know found these uh pink and red little globs of whatever and that that's supposed to be explosive nanothermite so that's the evidence that's explosive right and the second hour i gave a critique i just went through the whole program and showed what was wrong about it and how stephen jones was even advancing phony evidence i mean i i called him in the, on this at a conference out in chandler on 9 11 and uh, the third hour was uh, Wayne Madsen talking about a couple of uh, peripheral characters who seemed to have had some role, but it was never completely clear to me how it all fit together with regard to Wayne's contribution. What you want to see is the Midwest 9-11 Truth Conference Part 2, but that's from the first conference because I more recently put together a virtual conference, the Midwest 9-11 Truth Conference 2, Roman numeral 2, which has 14 hours. In other words, the first one only has three hours, and what's important is the second segment. This has 14 different segments, some of which are two hours long, and you can find it online on my blog. Part one is about how it was done, and I include multiple engineers there, you know, structural engineers, mechanical engineers, others who were in a good position to address these issues. And part two is about who was responsible and why. And then, of course, to cap all that off, I have a new book about 9-11 that was just published here during 2017, America Nuked on 9-11, Compliments of the CIA, the Neocons, and the in the DOD, and the Mossad. We can find it on moonrockbooks.com, correct? That's right. It's okay. got like 15 contributors. See, th this is another point for these people who want to criticize me, Michael. My work is collaborative. I have the good sense to bring in people who are expert in areas where I myself am not expert. Yeah, that's very smart. I have done this from the beginning. When I first began doing work on JFK, I, I was collaborating with a world authority on the human brain who was also an expert on wound ballistics, a PhD in physics who was also an MD and board certified in radiation oncology, which is a treatment of cancer using X-ray therapy, a physician who actually had been in trauma room one when JFK's moribund body was brought in, and then two days later was responsible for the care and treatment of his alleged assassin, Lee Oswald. 
a legendary photo and film analyst, another PhD in physics, this time with a specialty in electromagnetism, the properties of light and of images of moving objects. John P. Costella, the last mentioned, who did brilliant work exposing internal proofs, proofs internal to the extant version of the Zapruder film, that it was a fabrication, where John has explained how it's 98% technically perfect, but the other 2% give it away, and where based on additional research from external sources, comparisons of the, 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 the Zapruder with the Nix film, for example, you find Jackie goes further out on the trunk and Clint Hill further in contact with Jackie and the Nix than in the Zapruder. We have persons who have seen, you know, what appears to have been the original film. They only refer to it as an, another film, not wanting to go so far as to maintain it was the original, but where you can see the turn from Houston on to Elm, and you can see the limo stop, where everyone's jostled and for, thrown forward, and that Jack is hit twice in the head during the limo stop, which was made to make sure he would be dead. Uh, we have then the medical and the ballistic evidence to put it all together, where I've given a reconstruction of JFK that brings things very nearly up to date online. Again, at Brian Rue, coincidentally, R-U-H-E, uh, JFK, who was responsible and why a two-hour comprehensive overview. But the book is there as well. And I have a, a, a brand new blog about JFK that brings us absolutely current. So between the book and the blog, you, you know what we know about JFK. I mean, it's yes. just astounding, you know. It really so, is. So people who are going to criticize me, Michael, what are they also criticizing in the case of Sandy Hook, the, uh, the dozen other contributors in the case of 9-11, the 14 other contributors in the case of my three earlier books about JFK? I mean, I must have 20 different contributors. I mean, for God's sake. But what they've got, that's just why I challenge them to be specific. I'm not sure the but CIA would let you put out this kind of information if you worked for them. I'm sorry? I said, I don't think the CIA would allow you to put out this kind of information well, God, if you no, worked I'm for them. I'm blowing these things apart like <laughs> left. Yes. You know, with, with a right. force of the experts I bring together in all these cases, I bring together the best, most competent students. I mean, get this, in relation to the book on Sandy Hook, Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, which was banned by Amazon. That's true. Less than a month after it went on sale, Michael, and it had sold nearly 500 copies. I mean, it was going to be a runaway bestseller, so they had to stop it. I have 13 contributors, six of whom are current or retired PhD university professors. Why would any of us put our reputation if we didn't believe in what we were doing I have uh, one of them had published, believe it or not, 80 articles about Sandy Hook before I edited the book. I myself had published 30 articles about Sandy Hook before I edited the book. So, I mean, you know, I've been doing my homework, and I think it becomes very, very obvious when you have people coming up with vague general smears on me or John Lear. For God's sake, he's our nation's most distinguished pilot. He may even still hold... 15 international speed records. For I believe flight. he does, yes. Qualified does. in every area of flight and maintenance. I mean, he's a national treasure. And for them to make uh, John or me out to be stooges of the CIA, that's an obscenity. It really is. It's quite idiotic that they would make those assumptions. And, of course, they are just baseless accusations. And, of course, I myself have been accused of working for the CIA Um well, I'm sure the pay is fantastic. I can reassure all of you out there that that's not my gig. 
Well, of course, Michael, you would feature <laughs> me on your show for crying out loud. No, of course not. I mean, not. you know, I'm blowing these things apart. I mean, is that what they think that a stooge for the agency would be doing, exposing all their shenanigans, showing that uh, Lyndon Johnson was a pivotal player in the assassination of JFK, that Edgar used the FBI to cover it up, or that, uh, you know, there were... Yeah, well, well uh, these baseless accusations, they come with the territory. They do. They yeah. do. I accept that. I, I, I just believe in addressing them directly and dismembering them just as I... Oh, dismember. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that, uh, Jim. If I'm, I'm going to do a lot of that later on in the second half. Lots of names yeah. I'm going to cut through. So I, I know what you mean. Well, it's ridiculous. It's, 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 it's not just objectionable. It's, it's, it's deceitful. And it's plain, you know, uh, to a naive audience who doesn't really know my work. I mean, they think they get an advantage because if people aren't familiar with my work, you know. I think a lot of I, these are first-time listeners, Jim, and, and they get kind of rambunctious with what you got to say. And then they go they go a little crazy. Well, if this is coming from someone who's naive, that is less uh, offensive to me than coming from uh, somebody who's practiced, which is my experience. I mean, I have some of these people attacking me again and again and again. I started to mention about Judy Wood. Before the Vancouver hearing held in June of 2012, I posted a review of her book, Where Did the Towers Go on right. Amazon.com. Mm -hmm. Michael, it was a five-star review. I explained that I thought she'd done a brilliant job of gathering, you know, the best collection of photographs, documents, records related to 9-11 that had appeared in print, uh, but that I did feel that while she had ruled out the use of large nukes, she hadn't ruled out mini or micro nukes. Uh, I proceeded to the conference in Vancouver, and when I returned, I discovered that my review, my review, mind you, had been attacked Thousands of times. I think at that point it was probably something like 2,400 times by followers of Judy who were incensed that I would suggest you didn't have everything exactly right. So I pondered the situation and realized, well, look, I've got a uh, – uh, during the conference, so much more evidence was presented that it had been a nuclear event, including the U.S. geological dust studies with which I had not been familiar prior to the uh, conference. That I rewrote it, downgraded it to a three star and added, you know, the specific elements from the U.S. Geological Survey that she was not taking into account. And would you believe today, if you go onto Amazon.com, you're going to find that review. This is my review now. This is not her book. My review has been attacked over 7,000 times. That's a lot of times. That's just absurd. It really is. And, and by the way, you re you just reminded me of something else about Judy Wood. She was uh, recently, well, not recently. I, I'm not exactly quite sure how um, accurate. I, I know the date of when this interview happened, so I'm not going to quite say. I, I need to look into it again. But she conducted some sort of in interview with, um, I think, someone named Andrew Johnson about the wildfires. Um, I think sometime in October it was. I should really pull that article up, but they had questioned her about uh, the possibility of, of these fires being started by directed energy weapons. And she kind of just blatantly said no. Repeat that. Repeat that, Michael. Oh, well, she had conducted an interview in regards to the wildfires out here in California, and the interviewer asked her about 
the possibility of the of these fires being the result of directed energy weapons, and she sort of downplayed it completely. Well, that's ridiculous. It's clear that they are the effect of directed energy weapons. I mean, you have house after house where the house itself is completely destroyed, and yet the trees, I mean, the major large trees surrounding the house are completely undamaged. I mean, now this tells you that Judy Wood is a shell. See, I have been suspicious, Michael, that Israel is at war with the United States. They're so unhappy that we didn't deliver Syria to Israel on a platter that they have been conducting a whole host of treacherous acts intended to undermine the United States and eventually uh, basically destroy it piece by piece. In fact, I've even got a quote here I'll pull up where Bibi Netanyahu in 2000 is saying exactly that, that that's his intention, that's what, what they're planning to do. I mean, it's completely disgraceful. But among the events that it seems to me they are responsible for are these odd collisions off the coast of Japan in the Pacific. I mean, we've had several very sophisticated, you know, destroyers, uh, frigates uh, that are high-wire act. They have the most advanced technology. They know everything going on in the air, on the water, beneath the water. And they've been involved in collisions with slow, lumbering cargo ships. That, that that's impossible. I mean, I've spent a huge amount of time aboard Navy ships when I was in the Marine Corps, more time than I would uh, have preferred. But the fact of the matter is that these are just uh, bristling with electronics. That Their whole purpose in being there is know where everything is at every moment, 24-7. It's Correct. not as though the crew all sacks out at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and no one even sleeps there from what I I know. It's just, it, it's just it, it, lunatic. Then we have these hurricanes. Those are man-made, hitting Houston, hitting Puerto Rico. I'm very puzzled about the Puerto Rico thing. It looks as though <clears throat> this may have been an exercise in determining what happens when you take out the electrical grid for, for a, a large segment, and the island was a perfect pilot study. Hit, hitting uh, Houston, uh, these fires, the sonic attacks. In in uh, Cuba, I mean, those are truly bizarre, Michael. Because uh, you know, the, how the Donald could think that Cuba would have anything to do with it when Cuba has been waiting 50 years to have improved relations with the United States, and now that improved relations are here, the idea they would use these high frequency taunt sonic attacks to to cause it to fall apart is just ludicrous. But the Israelis. They don't want there to be a rapprochement between the United States and a, a communist country. Uh, that, that, that would too much invite, you know, the, the closer relations between the U.S. and Russia, which are doing everything they can to sabotage. So I think the fact that Judy Wood is denying the use of directed energy weapons in a case where, in my opinion, it's obvious the oh, evidence Jim. is overwhelming. Jim, They're by the way, I, I, I sent you yeah. the article there. Wow, this impugns her integrity. I mean, it just impugns her integrity beyond belief. Yeah, you you got to listen to that interview whenever you get the chance. And there's like cliff notes there on that article, which I found pretty fascinating. Of course, the author of that post there was not very happy with uh, Wood, which I'm sure you wouldn't be either. Well, I'm 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 most certainly not happy with. Uh... Judy Wood at this point in time. I mean, she's thrown away any any claim she may have had to scientific standing. I mean, it's just uh, it's just ridiculous. I'm looking for this 
the statement by Bibi about wanting to dismember the United States. I mean, it's really a pretty uh, shocking uh, statement, and I want to find it before we conclude our conversation this evening, because I do want to take you to this blog of mine. It's oh, a, yes, a, one of the there. last two entitled Sandy Hook, the James Tracy Trials Going to the Jury. Here's what you need to know, because there are shills at work as we speak right now. I mean, they're posting, you know, right now as we speak. Uh, and, and I just want to go through some of these to demonstrate, you know, how desperate they are. Uh, apparently, they're very, very worried that the truth about Sandy Hook is coming out. And I can assure you there are some developments that are very significant here, uh, including, for example, that Lenny Posner, who pretends to be the father of Noah, whom we've been able to establish was made up out of photographs of Michael Vabner, who's supposed to be his older stepbrother when he was younger, withdrew his lawsuit against Wolfgang Halbig after the judge directed him to sit for a video deposition. Uh, Lenny is a very spooky guy. I mean, he, he appears to me to be working for the government. There may actually be more than one person who's playing the role of Lenny Posner. He's been attacking websites that deal with Sandy Hook, trying to conceal it. And I don't think it's only because he might have to give back the over a million dollars that he received as uh, pretending to be a parent, but, but that he might, or that he might also be prosecuted for fraud or theft by deception because none of these kids died. Nobody died at Sandy Hook. Have you talked to a uh, Wolfgang, by the way? Yes, yes, yes. But I mean, Lenny withdrew his lawsuit at the last moment at 4.59 p.m. Eastern time, you know, before he'd have to go forward with a deposition. And uh, Wolf is, you know, making progress. It's like the tortoise and the hare. He's real gradual, very slow, but he's been making steady progress. And I've been very supportive of Wolfgang for that. Yes, you have. You've been very supportive of him. And um, by the way, Jim, I didn't get to have this little segment with you here, but as 2017 comes to a close, um, I think it's been a tremendous year, not for everyone, but of course, I think this has been um, very entertaining, especially in the political realm. Um, I don't remember any other time it's been this uh, entertaining and uh, chaotic, and it's been a sensory overload in my in my uh, opinion, Jim. Well, there's been a lot of nonsense going on, including Charlottesville. Charlottesville. I think we discussed that on an earlier program, Michael, yes. where there were two cars and two drivers and two or even three takes. Uh, I have published more about Charlottesville, too, because they had an official report from a former U.S. attorney, and he committed blunders. I mean, I've outed him for three massive blunders that he made, so we can go there, too because it's also highly uh, instructive. And, and let, let me pull that uh, up here. Yeah, we go all over the place here. It's okay. E, e, yeah, let me find this one. Yeah, go three ahead. massive blunders in the independent report on Charlottesville by Timothy Heapfee. Uh, I, I went through the report, and I just pulled out some killers. I mean, these are major blunders, meaning if these are wrong, then he doesn't know what he's talking about, and these are wrong. One, James Alex Fields was not the driver. He cites sources to claim that this guy, this 20-year-old who was supposed to be schizophrenic on antidepressant uh, medication, wearing prescription glasses, was a driver. 
But we have the image of the driver, and it isn't him. It's this other guy, this 32-year-old combat veteran who commands a battalion in, in Ohio. Secondly, claims that Heather Heyer died in the crash. But we even have her mother acknowledging she died from a heart attack, and it appears to have happened the following day. I have this absolutely brilliant woman doing research on Las Vegas and all of the obituaries there, where she has turned up again and again and again that they were for people who died in different states or on different dates or from different causes of death. So they use that right here, that technique right here in Charlottesville. And then they have the third claim he makes, that it's a colossal blunder, that two state troopers died in a helicopter crash. We have photographs of them in their flight uniforms after the crash. I even added a video where you can see them walking and talking after the crash. And I just tell you, if this guy is no more competent than this, I mean, bear in mind, you know, this is like the FBI in relation to the Boston bombing. The alternative media cracked the Boston bombing the night of the event. The FBI is still insisting that the Saranov brothers did it when it was the Kraft International personnel. We got them going toward the one of the bomb sites wearing a black nylon backpack with a white square. The bomb that blows up is a black nylon backpack with a white square. He's rushing away, no longer wearing the black nylon backpack with a white square. Uh, and when they photoshopped in and they did this, and it's just incredible that they would have mucked this up. But they photoshopped the brothers in, but they were not wearing black nylon backpacks. So here got the FBI reporting that the two bombs that exploded were in black nylon backpacks. But you can see the images. The government itself photoshopped in, and, and Zoker is wearing a silver backpack, and Tamerlan is wearing gray or beige. It's not Neither of them is wearing a black nylon backpack. So get this. And this is new since we last spoke, Michael. Uh, John Remington Graham has made a submission to have an amicus curiae, friend of the court brief, uh, admitted to the appeals court, and it has been granted. And he cited three experts who are willing to testify on this case, and I'm very proud that I'm one of the three. The fact that the court has accepted this is historic. It's never happened before in American jurisprudence. It's going to turn the case inside out. Because as, as Jack has observed, if the backpacks don't match, then there wasn't even probable cause for an arrest, much less an indictment and a conviction at trial, even in the formal indictment of Zoker for the uh, committing the Boston bombings at states that the two bombs that are exploded were in black nylon backpacks and he was not wearing one, nor was his older brother Tamerlan. Yes, it's quite interesting the way all of this has been going down, especially here in 2017, as I was uh, just saying, it's been a remarkable year. And especially in terms of, like I said, the political realm, it's been very entertaining for everyone out there. And I think it's really gained lots of popularity amongst those who weren't even paying attention to this a few years ago. It seems like everyone now has an opinion. Yeah, well... If we do go to the blog about Sandy Hook, I can make some nice illustrations about shills and trolls at work that I think fit exactly the theme we've been addressing here during our prior conversation, Michael. Yes, lots of false flags as well. And the, well, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's bizarre because I present conclusive proof and you, you see people squirming and wiggling and trying to evade its impact. Have you gone to the blog there? Do you see what I'm talking about for December 7th? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Well, you notice, according to uh, Florida Atlantic University, FAU professor wasn't fired because of the San, his Sandy Hook blog, according to the Sun Sentinel. Uh, James, according to the Sun Sentinel, James Tracy was fired as a tenured associate professor because he didn't submit forms about his act outside activities. But the university was under pressure from the local community and donors to remove him because they objected to the content of his blog. After 35 years as a faculty member in institutions of higher learning, I have never heard of such an absurdity. If he failed to submit forms, he might deserve a reprimand, maybe a letter in his file, Michael, but not removal from a tenured position. I mean, this is just ludicrous. The fact that FAU has committed a major violation of his freedom of research is thereby shown conclusively, in my opinion. And get this, he had the, the close of the pre presentation of evidence on Friday, and the judge ruled uh, to the great disenchantment of the defenders of Florida Atlantic that James Tracy's blog was published in his role as a private citizen, and he was entitled to, you know, the protections that attend there, too. And, you know, this thing is going to fall apart. I don't know if you fully absorb what I said about the appeals court accepting this amicus curiae brief from John Remington Grant, who's a retired professor of law. Michael, this has never happened before in American jurisprudence, that an amicus curiae brief would be accepted by an appeals court that's going to overturn the entire trial. I mean, this is going to have vast repercussions. This is an historic event, and it's a done deal, meaning the brief is in the formal record. Good Lord. Yes, lots of lots to uh, take in, and, and of course, if you want to follow follow along, that's uh, jamesfetzer.blogspot.com. Uh, people were wondering where they could find these articles. Oh yeah, right, jamesfetzer.blogspot.com. Just go there, start working backwards. You have to go to the to the to the menu bar on the right, the blog archive. But just start working backwards. The Sandy Hook one is the second most recent. And, 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 and Michael, let's talk about the, the, see, I put in all these proofs right there, embedded them in, in the article, uh, where we see the policewoman even rearrange the kids to get a better shot. Uh, this is the top is the photograph that went around the world. It turns out that Shannon Hicks had taken a second photograph earlier, and you can clearly see that they rearranged the kids. So you had this yes. originally, this little girl in a pink sweater and a short skirt. But she's replaced by a little boy in a, in a, you know, a blue sweater and blue jeans. And, and look at the second photograph taken earlier. There are parents present. I mean, how absurd is that? Parents are just casually looking on with their arms folded, hands in their pocket. You got a couple in the background there in between the arrows pointing to boy number one and boy number two looking on so casually. I refer to this as lounging at the massacre. But get this now, if you go down to the comments, you got, uh, here, here, the very first comment, anonymous, of course, anonymous. The Shannon Hicks <laughs> yes. photo you have, you use has been thoroughly debunked in the link posted the other day. It's no less than the first point listed. Don't you read? The FEMA manual is debunked at the same link. This is ridiculous. I point out preposterous. Shannon Hicks wrote to confirm she took both photos. How could they have been debunked? I'm sorry, but coming here to lie through your teeth is nothing for your attempts to defend the indefensible. I, I am fairly stunned that you would even try to pull this. 
The photos were obviously taken at approximately the same time, and the one with the girl in the pink sweater was taken before the second with a little boy in a blue sweater and blue jeans. You have a lot of gall to make such blatant false claims here. And he says, the debunking is of the claim that they rearranged the children. It's not that Hicks didn't take both pictures or claims he didn't rearrange the children to get a better shot. The children, they say, were rearranging the two because if you get a clear photo, there are different children. But go back up, Michael, to the photograph. You can see we got boy number one in the earlier photograph at the bottom, back in the middle, right yes. in the virtual middle. And he's the mm -hmm. same boy who's then put up in the front. Right. And you got a boy number two who's identified in both photos as well. I mean, the, the gall of these people to post these blatant lies, Michael, it just dumbfounds me. This is why I always say that the word journalism now is a very dirty word in this day and age. Journalism. Yeah, we don't have any. We have nothing but fake news coming from the mainstream media, and that's why the alternative media, including shows like this, are such a serious threat, because we're actually getting at the truth. And I mean, we're, censored. To we're censored at times, James. Like um, one of our last episodes um, we did, um, YouTube pulled that one down right away. Well, you see, they've got, they've got algorithms, and if you're talking about a subject, they want to suppress. They're gonna, they're gonna do something virtually immediately. But go down to the next image I give you. There you can see how Michael Vabner was made out of photographs. Uh, I mean, Noah Posner was made out of photographs yeah, of his older stepbrother, Michael Vabner. Yeah, there's you the see gift. Noah Posner turn into Michael Vabner. Yep, I'm looking at it now. Right there. Yep. Wow. And we've got a whole article about it. They have the same ears. They have the same eyes. They have the same eyebrows. They have the same nose. They have the same shape uh, of the skull. Uh, I mean, you know, go to Sandy Hook charade. Noah Posner was Michael Vabner as a child, and it blows the entire case apart. Yes. Now, uh, Jim, I, I know we are coming to a close here, but again, I do want to get your opinions just a little bit more so on um, Donald Trump. Let, let's talk a little bit about the Donald and oh, so we're we're only doing a night an hour tonight, Michael. Uh, well, we could go a little bit longer. It's okay. Well, I was I was prepared. I told my wife I'd be on for two with you. So oh, well, it's we up could... to you, but I mean, I'm pleased to be here. Okay, well, we could do two, well, but yeah. Well, the Donald fun. has committed a massive blunder with this business about uh, uh, Jerusalem. I mean, I cannot believe he has discredited himself. Uh, he has discredited the United States, uh, which no longer has any moral authority. Uh, frankly, I find it uh, completely embarrassing. And you'll see, actually, the first blog I put up today is actually uh, authored by Patrick McShay, Trump and Netanyahu, Palestine and Jerusalem, Haley and Kushner, what's really going on. I liked it a lot, and I embedded several videos, one of where I gave a presentation to the left forum last year about how ISIS was made in the USA. And apparently there was a reaction to that, so they didn't invite me back this year. But then they didn't invite a number of others who conducted their own alternative left forum. The second is about uh, – I was interviewed about uh, Trump uh, by Press TV, and that's the second of these interviews. And frankly, I damned Donald Trump to hell for making this decision. I mean, him to rot in hell for eternity with Donald Trump. This is such a calamitous decision. It, it has discredited the United States in the eyes of the world. No one 
is never go again going to believe the United States is uh, uh, a fair and balanced and objective broker of anything. We have squandered our moral authority. We are now perceived as a puppet of Israel. That that Donald Trump is, uh, you know, kissing the, the behind of Bibi Netanyahu, where Israel is the only country who's come out with an approving attitude toward this. Frankly, it's a complete and total disgrace. I, I voted for Trump uh, 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 for several reasons, even though I had in the past voted uh, Democratic. I voted for Bill Clinton twice. I voted for Barack Obama twice. But it was obvious Hillary was so corrupt. And the fact that we now know that the DNC had uh, sabotaged the campaign of Bernie Sanders, I mean, what a disgrace. Frankly, if Bernie had been allowed to emerge and run as a Democratic candidate, he'd be president of the United States today because he overlapped with Trump on the crucial issues of the Middle East as a non-interventionist, which was the reason Trump won. A study has been done by Boston University and the University of Minnesota that Trump won because the counties, the rural counties in the Rust Belt states, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, thought that he was less likely to continue the wars in the Middle East. That was the pivotal issue on which the whole election hung. They had suffered casualties from the Middle East. They didn't like it. They don't like all these wars. That was a pivotal issue. So Hillary can come up with her 44 or 45 or whatever the latest number of excuses for why she lost. She lost because she was perceived in relation to the Middle East as a hawk and Trump as less hawkish. It was that simple. It was that clear cut, Michael. Yes, I agree. And of course, I've, I have been criticizing um, all sides here. I have no dog in the fight, to be honest with all of you out there. I, I kind of believe both are corrupt. I believe all of these political parties are corrupt to a certain degree, and um, these people are not to be trusted, in my opinion. But that, that's just an opinion, of course. And of course, uh, uh, furthermore, I must say, what really bothered me about Donald Trump, and every time I say this, I'm sure lots of people out there probably get upset, but his entire affiliation with Jeffrey Epstein has always bothered me. Oh yeah, it, yeah, it just—it's never—it's never not bothered me. Yeah, I think it's going to come out. I think it's going to eventually come out in the wash. I mean, and any time, any time, Jim, I bring Jeffrey Epstein up, and I'm going to talk a little bit about all these things here in a moment. But um, that's always been a red flag, especially having someone. A former CEO from Goldman Sachs affiliated with you is also pretty troubling to me. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. i got to tell you, a weird thing happened today when I was putting up this blog about Trump. My uh, The page right in front of me was jumping all over the place. In other words, they've got someone on me in real time who's trying to interfere with my posting the blog. And I had this incredible problem in getting the spacing and the formatting right. In fact, you'll see I eventually had to just post it to get it up because if I tried to fix the formatting, everything was just jumping around and it was making it worse. They were changing fonts on me. I, I, I can't begin to tell you, Michael, how desperate the deep state has become in doing everything they possibly can in order to thwart the truth coming out. And they appear to have made me one of, I'm sure I'm not alone, but one of many a special 
targets. It's possible. It's possible your computer has been compromised, um, potentially through email. Maybe you opened a file and opened some sort of backdoor uh, port to your computer, and that's probably what's happening. Well, I'll do a, you know, I'll do, I'll do a search. I mean, uh, I have so staggering many files that when I do a security search, it takes quite a while. Oh yes, oh yes. So I want to find an opportunity when I'm not really using it. Let me just mention, by the way, a couple more points about the Sandy Hook blog. Go ahead. I also embedded, an, you know, an introduction as to Sandy Hook that I did a couple of years ago, the must-see Sandy Hook update. Actually, there, the version I found was combined with a one-hour introduction to the Boston bombing, so you get a double benefit. I also show a couple of parts of the FEMA manuals, so you can see what we're talking about. And, you know, it's so obvious when you realize it was a FEMA exercise as to why they had porta-potties already in place, why they had pizza and bottled water at the firehouse, why they had so many with name tags on lanyards, why they had a sign, a portable sign that said everyone must check in, why there were parents bringing children to the scene. No parent would bring their child to the scene of a child shooting massacre. But this was a rehearsal. So they treated it as a festive occasion, Michael. And it says right in the manual, everyone must check in. In fact, Patricia LaLorda, who's the first select man, that's equivalent to being the mayor of Newtown, acknowledged during one of Wolf Halbig's hearings, mm -hmm. you know, this was all sworn testimony, that the sign had been put there by the Department of Homeland Security. Well, the Department of Homeland Security wasn't even supposed to be in the vicinity. This was supposed to be a spontaneous shooting on the official account and you know the name tags on lanyards that's standard for a fema drill that's how they identify everyone i mean it just becomes so blatant and then i embedded this photograph which i've been repeatedly referring to as the swat team being already there where you can see just above the roof of the swat team the windows of classroom 10 which are obviously not shot out the flags at full mast you come into there's wayne carver leaning against his, uh, uh, the wall, awaiting the arrival of his portable mortuary tent. There's crime scene tape up for a crime that is yet to be committed. So below that, I showed the windows before and after. We actually have photographs of the perps drilling holes in the window frame and the pink rods extending, where I explained that no one familiar with marksmanship would regard this as anything other than a fantasy. And would you believe, someone calls me out, they say, um, where is it? Oh, the vehicle, the SWAT vehicle you keep referring to is not SWAT, it's just a CT, a Connecticut major crime squad truck. It's for investigating major crimes. That's not what SWAT does. Just search Connecticut major crime squad. You'll see photos of the truck at various crime scenes, including a search for a missing college student. But the fact of the matter is uh it's there before the event takes place. And he says, why do you keep using that small photo for room 10? Why not use the original from the report? But I have, you know, all these uh, images can be expanded. All you have to do is click on them and, and you'll get them in a larger view. Okay. So I don't know why anyone suggests I'm not using the larger photographs because all you do is click on and then you get the images in larger view. So I regarded that as just, uh, you know, I was glad to be corrected. Uh, I mean, you know, he also claims, I say, some uh, 
that that uh, there was some uh, shooting in 2007, and he says VT, which I take to be Vermont, unless he meant VA, Virginia. Yeah. Would you have any idea what he's talking about, Michael? I don't. Because, you know, I, I there really was don't. that phony shooting of mm-hmm. a woman who was supposed to be doing an interview, a TV interview on a balcony uh, at a television station in Virginia. But I called that out. That was such a blatant fraud and hoax. You got this huge lumbering guy, over 300-pound black guy, walks up behind her and the cameraman and shoots her point blank. You would have heard him coming. There's no blood. She just runs off. She couldn't run off if she'd been shot point blank. She'd be dead or dying lying there on the balcony. Yeah, that was such an obvious fraud. Turns out her father is a big uh, gun control, uh, you know, proponent. So is that why there's been uh, so many false flags to push a yeah, certain it's narrative? Got a lot. It's got a lot to do with it. I mean, you know, take uh, take Las Vegas for example. I mean, this guy's got a veritable arsenal, you know, in his room. Twenty three weapons. These are the guns the gun grabbers most want to grab. But uh, why would he have twenty three weapons? I mean, it's sim- simply ridiculous. You'd need one for shooting and something for self defense. You wouldn't have twenty three weapons. The sheriff, by the way, recently announced that he'd fired 1,100 rounds. Well, that means this suite should have been covered with 1,100 shell casings, but they aren't there. Most of the room is virtually uh, bereft of any shell casings, but there's a handful, I'm going to say a couple dozen, thrown down. Uh, I mean, this is somebody who's used to setting stages, you know, for as a, this is the prop woman. Uh, for special effects, for theatrical productions. And she just threw a handful down, and she didn't pay attention to what she was doing because, as Scott Bennett, whose former U.S. Army intel and psyops, has observed, many of them are, are, are blanks, which have a crimped end rather than the open end because a lead slug's been fired. Others are CO2 cartridges are used to fire gas-powered pellet guns and the like. I mean, this was just slovenly. And then there's shell casings on top of the blood, but obviously when he blows out his brains, he stops shooting. And therefore, if there were blood uh, uh, in relation to shell casings, the casing should be under the blood, not on top. So the, the three members of the sheriff, the three top members of the Metropolitan Police Department at Las Vegas are all re- resigning or retiring here at the end of the year. I think they want to get out of Dodge. This is a really, really strange uh, shooting, probably the worst mass shooting in American history. And it's what, two, three months removed from the incident. And uh, basically no one's talking about it anymore, which is funny because I said on this program that um, in two, three weeks, everyone would just stop talking about it. Well, I think that's because we've uncovered so much fraud and deception. You know, we had a, a, a military uh a uh, surgeon who's an expert on gunshots who reviewed the videos of the patients in the hospital and concluded they were all actors. None of them had actually been shot. Reinforced by an American trauma surgeon who pointed out they weren't even connected to the diagnostic, you know, blood pressure. For goodness sake, I was down at the clinic and they put me on a, you know, blood pressure right away. And I, I mean, I wasn't even being admitted. I was just being processed. And, and wound up coming home. But the fact is, they, they connect you up right away. None of these are even connected to blood pressure. Then we have a, a woman uh, 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 who's gone through 33 of the videos, Michael, and finds lots of sounds of shots, but there are no, no signs of anyone actually being shot. Uh, I have figured out, I mean, it just it took me a couple of days to figure out what had actually happened here. 
they had a high quality uh, uh, soundtrack that they played over the PA system for the concert that you could hear the actual sound of machine guns and other military weapons and even bullet strikes on the ground that was coordinated with special visual effects on the middle of the hotel you had on the fourth floor light burst coordinating simulating a machine gun above it three light bursts you know repeatedly simulate modern american weapons you had a guy in the crowd who turns to shoot on the crowd you can see the light but there're no bullets cuz he's firing blanks so those are at least three shooting locations all of which are simulated even ignoring you know the wing uh, uh, of the floor 32 where paddock was supposed to be we we have so much more evidence uh, 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 Mona Alexis uh, Presley has been going through the old bits, as I mentioned. She's finding case after case. There are people who died in different states or on different dates or for other causes of death. Uh, we have a follow-up high-definition video of the police cleaning up the scene, and there are no signs of any actual bullet strikes on the ground. Uh, the FBI was outed for having erased the cell phones and the laptops of uh, witnesses at the scene at the time. Uh, which is obviously inconsistent with it having been real. In fact, there's been no forensic study of where the bodies were, where they'd been shot, no reconstruction of the trajectories. It's all a farce. It's a complete farce. The kitty in the background. Yeah, my cat, my oh, cat, my cat. He, he, gets, he gets on the air surprisingly often. I love it. But, yes, you mentioned the mysterious deaths that surround the whole Vegas shooting. It It is pretty... Pretty wild, right? A little mysterious indeed, the fact that these people would uh, just die in the way that they did. Well, uh, you're talking about the witnesses who were contradicting the official account, I take it. Right. Like the one woman who said there were at least two shooters. Well, I've already mm -hmm. given you a recount that there had to be at least three, and if Paddock, that would be a fourth. But it's all there in the record. I mean, you can find that right off of the videos that were taken at the time. I mean, there's nothing mysterious. I can't see why you'd want to kill someone over that, unless the contradictions of the claim there was one shooter were serious threats to the to the plausibility of the account, which is that, I mean, it's stupefying. Get this. Uh, Jesus Campos, who's supposed to be the security guard, isn't even registered as a security guard. He mysteriously disappears. The next thing we know, he's on the Ellen DeGeneres show. <laughs> Only yes. he's gained 30 to 50 pounds. He doesn't have his prescription eyeglasses. Ellen seems very uncomfortable with the interview. They never pan onto the crowd. And guess what? Uh, Ellen DeGeneres show is owned by MGM, who's uh, chief executive officer and sold off 80% of his stock. Uh, prior to the event to buy it back up cheap and make a bundle. And look, when I tell you it's a movie, that's what MGM does. They make movies. They made a movie right there in Las Vegas. Yes, and then they had the website. What, what was it called where you can uh, rent uh, rent a crowd, right? What was it called? Oh, yeah. It's called, yeah, Crowds on or Demand. Crowds on Demand, they, yes. They started recruiting 15 days in advance. So you had these, you know, the crowd was seated and, you know, on cue, they started to react, you know, saying, oh, my God, we're being shot, we're hit, blood, blood, you know, and everyone just reacts. The naive people who are, actually came to attend the concert, of course, take for granted that it's all real. But get this, Intel Hub thought it had a, established a mini coup. I mean, look. Uh, Mona has discovered the, the radio scanner for the event, and there were things going on not just at the Mandalay, but at the Bellagio, at the Flamingo, at New York, New York. 
And they're just going through. I mean, this was a drill. It was a mass casualty drill. Nobody was killed. In fact, I have a Facebook friend who called the three closest hospitals to the arena, uh, where if you had 500 wounded, I mean, the, the medical facilities in Las Vegas would have been simply overwhelmed. Are, are you the ref- three closest hospitals? Jim, are you, are, you, are you referring to uh, Dean Ryan? No, no, no. No, I'm talking about a Facebook friend. Oh, a Facebook friend. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not talking about Dean Ryan. I'm talking about a Facebook friend who called the three closest hospitals. Uh, she gave the hospital's number, so I followed up. One of the hospitals even told her, you must be calling about the crisis uh, drill, but, but no one was shot. And, you know, check with the local police. So I called the same three hospitals she'd cited, and two of them confirmed exactly what she'd said. The other said no comment, which I said, well, I interpret that as being a no. You know, someone had told him not to give out any information. The whole thing was a farce. So get this. Intel Hub thought it had a coup because there'd been a mini massacre at Hooters. They knew there'd been a mini massacre because they found 17 ambulances that were pulled up at Hooters. Well, they weren't paying attention to their own footage of what was going on inside Hooters because you had a a whole bunch of very bored crisis actors sitting around with sheets waiting their turn to be taken out on stretchers as though they were victims. I think I saw one of these photos, and they captioned it that there was no blood flowing from this victim's leg. Well, I don't know. There was one that was put right on the front cover of the New York Times that I called Mm -hmm. out immediately because she's lying on her side, but the blood is flowing you know, across her leg, not down her leg. If she'd been shot and, you know, bleeding, the blood would have been flowing down her leg. It was like somebody dripped blood on her after she was on the uh, ground. I see. I noticed that immediately. That, that was on the front page of the New York Times. It's such a weird, which I, which I've come to ref- weird is, which thing. is so dishonest, you know, and so corrupt. I've come to refer to as the Langley newsletter. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> That's funny. And, Jim, I must say, we don't even have one photograph or any video of him in action. No, and that's insane because there are video cameras everywhere. Exactly. This this gets back to the change in the timeline, too, Michael. This is a very good point. Uh, We have a follow-up by a guy who went into the Mandalay Bay and found you couldn't go anywhere where you weren't under surveillance. So the initial story for Jesus Campos Mm -hmm. was that he – he he heard the shooting, knocked on the door, disrupted Stephen uh, Paddock, who then committed suicide, right? Well, that at least right. sounds sort of like maybe it might have happened. Maybe. But they changed it. They changed the story. So now Campos knocks on his door be- before he begins the shooting, and he fires 200 rounds down the hallway at Jesus Campos. I mean – and nobody notices in this luxury hotel that's just, you know, infested with cameras everywhere. And it's absurd. It is. So when this, when this fake Jesus Campos, who weighs 30 to 50 pounds more, goes on Ellen DeGeneres, he's talking about knocking on the door just before the guy commits suicide. In other words, he wasn't even current with the revised timeline. It's funny you mentioned Ellen DeGeneres, who obviously dances and parades herself with her audience. Um, you just reminded me of Megan Kelly, who I have been criticizing as well on this program, um, laughing at her attempts of trying to connect with uh, any audience now. And, um, oh. it's, it's, it's terrible. I'm not sure if you have, have yeah. uh, witnessed her dancing around, but it, it's, it's atrocious. Megan, 
Megan dancing around. Megan Kelly no, actually dancing no, but, around. But she blew up. Jesus you know, she Christ. did this interview with Alex Jones about Sandy Hook. And Alex really isn't an expert on Sandy Hook. I'm not exactly sure what to claim Alex is an expert on. I did have a relationship with him at one time because when he organized what he called the American Scholars Conference in Los Angeles in uh, 2006, I had founded Scholars for 9-11 Truth in December 2005. He invited me to be the keynote speaker to give an overview about 9-11. And then on Sunday, there was a panel discussion of four, uh, which he moderated. All four were members of Scholars, Steve Jones, my co-chair, uh, Bob Bauman, who was an Air Force uh, ace in Korean War with 101 kills. That's staggering. But he'd been the scientific director of the Star Wars program under Presidents Reagan and Ford. Webster Tarpley had published a book, 9-11, Synthetic Terror Made in the USA, and me as the head of scholars. And it was an hour and 45, and C-SPAN put it on, uh, you know, seven or eight very good time slots. So I think it actually had the effect of shattering any discussion about 9-11. My my presentation was about the top 10 reasons why the Arab hijackers were fake. And you can find that online without any effort. But there's another reason why somebody accusing me of being a stooge for the government. I mean, they just have their head where the sun does not shine. Yeah, and it's it's ridiculous that they would make these accusations. And, of course, they blame me for the same thing. And it's just so dumb. I can't even take these people seriously. But, of course... Like I mentioned earlier, it, it just comes with the territory. There's always going to be people like this um, who are um, little out there. and Say very, again? Uh, people who are very out there and probably very paranoid. Well, uh, people can be paranoid. I mean, if these are amateurs who just don't understand, you know, sure, they can be caught unexpectedly by hearing nobody died at Sandy Hook. But when they look at the proof, I mean, you know, if they're rational, if they're open to responding to evidence, uh, then they're going to adjust their beliefs. But, you know, the, I mean, the, the, these cases are so outrageous. I mean, Charlottesville, as I was saying, we had two cars, two drivers, three different takes. I mean, it's embarrassing. Then you had these major blunders by the U.S. attorney who's doing the review. Uh, I've actually sent, I've done two blogs about this guy's review to, you know, about a hundred people at the University of Virginia, from the president on down, including 75 members of the Department of History, berating them for not taking seriously what I pointed out months ago. I mean, now I've got a book about it, but I pointed out months ago there'd been two drivers and two cars and two or even three takes, and they, they just ignored it at the time. I, I, Who's standing up for truth and justice? I mean, this was exactly. a university founded by Thomas Jefferson. And they're all abdicating their responsibility. As in my opinion, they all ought to be fired, dismissed from their position for abdicating their responsibility. Yeah, anytime I see someone suppressing anyone's freedom of speech or limiting them in any kind of way, I, I just think that's unconstitutional. I think those kind of people need to go away, in my personal opinion. I just can't stand anyone like that. And uh, furthermore, I have not gotten your opinion on all of these sexual allegations that have been going on. I also have referenced this year, 2017, as the year of sexual allegations, James. It seems like uh, we go and take a little nap, and next thing we know, someone else is being accused of 
something naughty. Well, uh, it's catching up with the world, right? I mean, this guy, Harvey Weinstein, was apparently a, a monster. I have heard reports. I mean, I think Gwyneth Paltrow is just a lovely person. She I mean, is. She, she, she is. was virtually his concubine. That he was treating her so abusively. And, you know, all these other cases. Al Franken, when, when he was so savage in interrogating Jeff Sessions, I thought it was completely despicable. So I take a certain satisfaction that, that, that you know, karma has given it this twist. And, and the, the end is not in sight. These are just the, the first few waves of this, uh, these revelations of Michael. Oh, yeah. They're this is continue. a warm up. I, yeah. They're going to continue. This is just a warm up here. I truly believe so. I think things are just barely underway. And of course, I've noticed some comedians being hit with it too. Louis C.K., uh, another guy who was just taken out. And, uh, you know, I like the comedian. I, I like Louis C.K. He's a pretty funny guy, but of course not everyone has a sense of humor, and what he did was also pretty wrong in my opinion. And what I always thought um kind of interesting was who are these people, um not who are these people, but these people that have basically sunk their careers per se, will we see them ever reemerge to a certain degree? That's what I am curious about, Jim. Well, there's a very damn interesting case here in Alabama with this uh, Judge Roy Moore, who's Roy been Moore. so controversial. I mean, this is the guy who posted the Ten Commandments in his in his courtroom, uh, 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 and you had this allegation from this woman who claimed when she was what fourteen Something that like he was that. coming on to her, and she had this signature in, in her a yearbook as right. proof. And, and she's been forced to admit that it was fabricated. It was I fake. saw that, yes. Well, well, once any aspect of a case like this is shown to be false, you're entitled to dismiss the whole case. It's actually a principle under the law. Fraud vitiates everything. And this is like Sandy Hook. We have dozens of proofs that the whole Sandy Hook thing was fraudulent, dozens of them, that anyone should hang on to continue to persist in maintaining that Sandy Hook was a real event, 20 kids and six adults actually died. When the school was closed by 2008, there were no kids there. Nobody died. Paul Preston, who is from the Los Angeles area, superintendent of schools himself, who's managed, conducted some of these drills, was so disturbed by what he saw being reported from Newtown that he reached out to his contacts in the Obama Department of Education. Mind you, I repeat that. In the Obama Department of Education, all of whom confirmed to him that it had been a drill, that no children had died, and that it was done to promote gun control. I mean, it's that bad. It's that blatant. Even Obama's own people were acknowledging that it was a drill. Yes, and by the way, for those curious, if you just Google Sandy Hook, Nobody Died, a PDF, you'll find Mr. Fetzer's book for free. Yes, yes, that's right. Because once uh, Amazon banned it, I mean, I could, you know, have tried to argue with them. It didn't violate their guidelines. Of course, it didn't violate their guidelines. The book was produced by CreateSpace, which is a subsidiary of Amazon. It had already been up there for nearly a month. Uh, but they were banning it because I don't know if I told you this story. I was called about two days before the ban by Inside Edition saying they were wanted you? to do a, 
Did I tell you that story? No, I didn't know about that. Go oh, ahead. Oh, yeah. Inside wow. Edition said they wanted to feature me in our findings about Sandy Hook, but they had to do a pre-interview interview. And I found myself in what I'm now convinced was a basement at Langley where I was being grilled. I mean, there were no pleasantries, you know. Hey, good to talk with you. He's He's saying, what do you got? You know, and I'd lay out, well, we got uh, 13 contributors, and we've been able to show the school was closed by 2008. There were no students there. What do you got? Well, we got 50 photographs of the Adam Lanza. They're featuring, you know, furnishing an empty house to serve as the Adam Lanza. We got a photograph of the bedroom, and there's some red stuff on the bed, but it's not blood. And there's uh, papers on the, you know, a cedar chest and uh they seem to be keeping track of how they were organizing. Then there's a blue moving pad under the leg of the bed that in their haste they forgot. What do you got? We got 50 more photographs of the refurbishing the school to serve as the stage, including inside and out. And that was in deplorable condition, but especially that there's a SWAT team there and just above the vehicle. You can see the string of four windows from classroom 10 and that they're not shot out, which means it's before the event. And there, there's Wayne Carver reclining against the wall there with his arms folded, awaiting the arrival of his portable mortuary tent. There's crime scene tape up for a crime that is yet to be committed. What else you got? Well, we got photos of the windows of classroom 10 before and after. We have photos of the perps drilling holes in the window frame to simulate bullet holes. And another where the pink rods are extending and they're all exactly 90 degrees to the window pane in parallel to one another, which means this is a fantasy that I am a former series commander. I had 15 DIs and 300 recruits under my command going through recruit training at the in the Marine Corps, including marksmanship, and no one would take this seriously. At some point, he just decided he'd had enough, and he gave the word that this book had to be banned. Yeah, that's terrible that they would actually do that. Yeah, well, they wanted to find out what I got. And they weren't even going to bother wasting time by looking at the book. They wanted to do it what they thought was the quickest, most efficient by subjecting me to the third degree. Yeah, but you know how that goes, Jim. They had an agenda. Well, of course they had an agenda. Clearly. Of course they had an agenda. Absolutely, 100% they had an agenda. By the way, the chat room would love for your wife to get on here with you one day. <laughs> she thinks I'm a nut. I would I would love to hear both of you go well, back and forth. Well, listen, listen, listen. <laughs> there, there are, uh, you know, I sometimes run across absolutely sensational comments, and here's one that I'm going to feature in a in a in a blog. I am in the process of drafting. The guy identifies himself. I mean, that's one way you know for sure that this is an authentic person. His name's Richard Plant, P-L-A-N-T-E, March 3rd, 2017. The distance by vehicle between Monroe and Newtown is roughly seven, uh, several miles, 10 maximum. In 2010, I was visiting a friend of mine who lived in Monroe at the time. I didn't know this when I was visiting him, but he had an evening appointment one night to go to Sandy Hook Elementary School to pick up a couple of student desks on the cheap for his kids to use at home. When we arrived at Sandy Hook School, the parking lot appeared to not have been in use for years. Inside, the building showed signs of previous flooding and water stains were up to about several inches above the floor. There was mold everywhere due to this flooding. The caretaker of the building quickly showed us where to locate the desks, and we got them out and into my friend's vehicle. Further observations of mine indicate that this was a very, very neglected building, and the caretaker even indicated the building was condemned because it was full of asbestos everywhere. This building was a mess. 
And the fake news want us to believe there were 400 and something elementary school in classes on a fateful day in, he says, November. Of course, it was December 2012 that a guy named Adam Lonza shot and killed some of the children and adult teachers. Give me a break. I spent a lot of years in construction and renovation. There's just no way any authorities would allow young children into a building such as the one I saw in June of 2010. No wonder the grief the townspeople showed didn't appear genuine even on TV. As a contractor, you deal with a lot of people, but the emotion of the witnesses and parents just wasn't genuine. Yeah, that was well, weird. Those are my thoughts on yeah. the Sandy Oak story. Weird. And they thought they would get away with it. Thank God few of us are that stupid, Richard. Yeah, those interviews with the parents and other people there were kind of strange. The, those, Well, the lack of emotion, I should say. They were giggling and laughing. Yeah, exactly. What the hell is that? Las Vegas. Yeah. You got yeah. crisis actors hiding behind cars and giggling because they know the whole thing's fake. So they think it's a lark. You had Robbie Parker come out and, and, uh, you know, of the building and he's all jocular, laughing, smiling. Then he turns and see the crowd of assembled reporters. He pauses, hyperventilates to get into character and then goes on to speak solemnly about the loss of his daughter, Emily. Uh, having the presence of mind to mention her donation website, which was part of the scam. I mean, as I've already reported, they, the, these fake families pocketed over a million dollars in contributions from sympathetic but gullible Americans. I mean, it's just staggering, which is why James Tracy, you know, being booted out of his university when he's trying to protect the public interest by informing them that this doesn't appear to be on the up and up. Maybe they could have saved some of that $130 million and put it to better benefit if they hadn't contributed to the fake parents of Sandy Hook. And when will it stop, Jim, in your opinion? When will all of this sort of just end? Well, the fact that, that you know, the, the, the legal cases are setting a precedent just as this uh, acceptance of the amicus curiae brief by the appeals court is going to put an end to this. Boston bombing uh, mythology, uh, the fact that Wolfgang, uh, that, that Lenny Posner abandoned his lawsuit against Wolfgang is very telling. I believe that Tracy is going to prevail in his lawsuit against Florida Atlantic. I've been sending uh, these newspapers in South Florida accurate information about uh, what's been going on and where they can find more. And it's just uh, it's just uh, uh, so revealing of the degree of corruption. I mean, you mentioned before that we don't have, uh, we don't really have investigative journalism ever, anymore. What we have we really are propaganda don't. outlets. We're, yes. we're very much in the era of the Soviet controlled press, Michael. And it, it's just astounding to me that America is sunk into this quagmire of false information and propaganda. Oh, by the way, someone, one of the listeners had sent me a private email here. Wanting me to ask you your opinion on cryptocurrency. I'm not sure if you ever bothered. Yeah, to... yeah. Well, somebody mm -hmm. actually bought me a, a tiny piece of Bitcoin. Really? And yeah. Nice. I mean, I thought it was a wonderful gesture. Yeah. I haven't really quite figured out what's going on here, but it's just growing in value tremendously. I mean, like 1,200% this year alone, something on that order. So, you know, I'm thinking, gee, maybe I actually ought to invest a couple hundred bucks. I mean, if it's growing like that, it could be, you know, a significant development. So 
that's just my opinion. I'm not a financial expert. I can just tell you. It, it, it looks to me like it, 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 if you had a couple hundred bucks, you didn't have anything special to do with it. Investing in Bitcoin might be a good move. Yeah, I've seen some positives and some negatives about Bitcoin. Um, I'm, I, I don't have any, any, uh, stock in that myself, but, um, I know a couple of people that do and they seem to like it. Well, there's so many references to the collapse of, you know, the dollar and that the, there's going to be a new dollar. Everyone says that. They always say the economy is going to collapse. Uh, they've been saying I that know. lately. Michael, I agree. But, you know, this would just be a form of protection, you know, diversing yourself in a relatively modest way. I mean, I'm not suggesting investing your life. Safe. Oh, of course not. There's been uh, alleged. I'm I think I may have to scrounge up a couple hundred bucks of my own and then buy some Bitcoin. I mean, it's just. No, I'm not against it. Yeah. I, 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 I can't believe this, but we have a daughter now residing in Bloomington, Indiana, who'd been a librarian. And she, I remember this so clearly, called me to say that there was a new company out there uh, that was going to be selling books online. And mm. I might want to consider investing. And, of course, it was Amazon.com. Ah, I see. And of course, I didn't invest. You, you may recall this wonderful scene in uh, "You've Got Mail," where of course. this uh, woman who's working with uh, Meg Ryan in you know, a little bookstore reveals, you know, when they're asking about her financial security, how she bought AT and T when it was really <laughs> low. You know? Yes, you know, I saw and that I just, movie. I, I saw that movie in theaters, by the way. Oh, I love that movie. Way but, back, but, but, my my wife and I flew. Uh, to uh, the UK on one of our trips. I've been there like seven times. And on this particular, uh, this, I think that this trip, actually, we were heading to Athens and I'd been invited to speak in Athens. The uh -huh. leading muckraker in Athens had a TV show. He wanted me to come and present on 9-11. This would be in December of 2006. Oh, that would have been and, awesome. Yeah, he flew me and my wife, all expense paid to Athens for a week. And when we were coming back, there was uh there was not only chaos at the Athens airport getting our flight, but oh, yes. when we got Heathrow, there were further problems. But uh, they put us into first class to come back. I mean, this was uh, something they just did as a benefit to us. And I watched You've Got Mail, I think, seven times on the flight back. I, mean, <laughs> I spent the whole time watching it over and over. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good it's a good film to watch. That, that, that TV show, by the way, was originally scheduled for three. They extended to three and a half hours. They told me while they had a dozen, uh, participants that usually only a few of them would ask questions. I said, not tonight. And I was exactly right. All one of the, every one of the 12 asked questions. It wound up going three and a half hours with broadcast worldwide by satellite. Frankly, I think it was the high point of the 9-11 truth movement. We had a 9-11 member who was working at a, pizzeria in Boston, just writing into rave about how his, you know, his, his father, who was born in Greece, was watching Greek television and couldn't believe that here I was, you know, talking about 9-11. And uh, I mean, it was really great because they put together wonderful clips. They'd really done their homework and pre prepping for this particular show. When you were a professor, by the way, Jim, did the administration ever get upset at you for your viewpoints? Well, it's very interesting. You know, I mean, I, I retired in 2006. Now, that was right. only, you know, six months after I founded Scholars in 2005. Correct. 
And I retired in June, which is the same month that I served as a keynote speaker at the American Scholars Conference organized by Alex Jones. So in relation to 9-11, they, in a way, never even had a chance to figure out what I was about. But they knew my work on JFK and were actually very supportive. There was an associate dean in the graduate school on the Twin Cities campus who loved my work on JFK. The university wound up being very supportive. They gave me the money to hold a conference on the death of JFK in Minneapolis uh, in 1999. They gave me money to hold a second conference on the Duluth campus in 2003. Is, is there, the, uh, Jim, is there any uh, video footage of, the, of this? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure you can find it, yeah. Uh, it was called the, the Death of JFK in Minneapolis, 1999. The Great Zapruder Film Hoax Conference wound up having like 66 co- segments. I think there was some limit on how much you could put up at one time. But if you yeah. do a search for it, You'll find, I mean, I had the six leading experts on the Zapruder film in the world. I mean, it's a veritable bonanza. Yeah, you, you've done a damn good job with the research, Jim. Well, again, you see, Michael, I bring in the best people the on each of these subjects. Right. I mean, I don't just pretend that I can cover it all, that I'm an expert in areas where I'm not, but I am an expert in, in logic, critical thinking, scientific reasoning. And so I'm really good at sorting out the evidence and determining what's the most important, what's the most weighty, which evidence makes a difference. And uh, we've become very adept at sorting out the uh, the manufactured, the, the false evidence from the real. For example, Jim Mars now departed this earth, and I did an article entitled Framing the Patsy, the Case of Lee Harvey Oswald, which we published on my blog, Going Through the Backyard Photographs, and, and would you believe, let me see if I can pull it up now, it's been reinforced by new research by uh, Larry Rivera, who uh, found images of, uh, of both Lee Oswald and of uh, uh, Billy Lovelady, who is his co-worker, who was supposed to be the man in the doorway, and uh, wound up. Uh, establishing that, in fact, not only is the man in the doorway the right, the height, the weight, the build to be Lee Oswald, but he also has the same facial features as uh, as uh, as Lee Oswald. And the man standing beside him with his hands raised has the same features as Billy Lovelady. So I can tell you right now where to find the blog. It's entitled and you can just put in the title, JFK colon Bethesda autopsy photos not JFK slash Oswald framed Warren report as sham, but it's easy just to put in Bethesda autopsy photos not JFK and you'll get everything I'm talking about right now because we discovered that the, the autopsy photographs that Robert Grodin had promoted as being authentic autopsy photographs aren't even of JFK. Yes. I mean, we, we'd had questions about him in the, in the beginning because his eyes are open, but Charles Crenshaw, who was the physician who was in trauma room number one with JFK and then uh, two days later was responsible for the care and treatment of his alleged assassin, Lee Oswald, told me he had closed JFK eyes. He was the last physician to see him as he was being wrapped in sheets and put in the bronze ceremonial casket. And yet there's this photograph and I show it toward the bottom. Once we know that it's not JFK, the question becomes, who is it? Robert Morningstar, who's a longtime student of Officer J.D. Tippett, had long proposed that it was Tippett. 
instead of JFK. But I show you a photograph from the autopsy of Tippett that makes it very clear it's not Tippett. Dennis David, who was a non-commissioned NCO, who was keeping track, uh, logging everyone who went in and out of the morgue, had been directed not to log in. The casket of someone he was told was a major. And I suspect this body is of the major. I mean, look, when you got the whole military, uh, uh, American military personnel, you're going to find somebody who looks great and you like almost anyone you want. And they found somebody who looked a lot like JFK, but until now, no one had ever actually concluded that this was not JFK. I mean, there might have been some suspicions, but we actually prove it here. Then in relation to the backyard photographs, Larry Rivera found a suitable photograph of the man that Jim Mars and I had identified as the stand-in for Lee Oswald, who was a Dallas police officer by the name of Roscoe White who not only was the right height, weight, build, he's actually a little more husky than Lee Oswald, but he's got the block chin, which is not Lee Oswald's chin, and he's got this funny lump on his right wrist from a bone that apparently did not properly heal. And Larry found just a perfect image to superimpose. So you go there and you'll even see a gif where we prove that Roscoe White was the body double for Lee Oswald, who had himself told the uh, Will Fritz, the homicide detective who was interrogating him, that when shown one of these photographs, that it was his face pasted on someone else's body, that with time he'd be able to prove it. Well, we have proven it. And then that he was in the doorway. I mean, this is really so telling. Uh, this was the deepest, darkest secret of the Warren Commission. Yeah, that was that was the day America found out that once uh, shadow government wants you gone, They'll stop at no end. Oh, it's a disgrace. It really is. It, it truly uh, is. Several early students had concluded that it was Lee Oswald in the doorway. Uh, Harold Weisberg uh, published the second in his whitewash series in 1966 entitled Photographic Whitewash. In the last four or five pages, he's talking about how the Warren Commission staff was going out of its way to suppress information that Lee Oswald had been in the doorway when the motorcade walked past. Uh, even Jim Garrison, of course, the celebrated district attorney who brought the lawsuit against Clay Shaw, which he would no doubt have won, but for the mysterious deaths of three of his key witnesses. I mean, they were taken out, so they couldn't testify, believed that Lee was in the doorway. Uh, well, Larry found suitable photographs to use to create gifts and has confirmed that, in fact, not only are the height, the weight, the build, and so forth, Lee Oswald, but the facial features are also those of Lee, not those of Billy. And that the man standing behind Lee with his hands up raised to protect his eyes from the sun actually is Billy Lovelady. So between the book, JFK, Who, How, and Why, and uh, and uh, this blog, you're up to date on JFK. I'm telling you, that is the latest information did we you, have did in you, the world on the death of our 35th president. Right. Did you include um, the mysterious call that was made before the death of JFK? Oh, you're talking about where it appears that um, Jack Ruby actually made a call to the police department suggesting they shouldn't uh, move him. Uh, you know, there's several fascinating aspects about this. Uh, I don't have a copy of the book right here. Oh, 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 well, I could grab one. But let me tell you this, because this is extraordinarily interesting. Go ahead. Ralph Sinkay, who is a chiropractor, he has an abrasive manner. He's been widely, you know, criticized for his mode of presentation, but he's quite a brilliant guy. Uh, first, uh, you know, 
focus my attention on the height, the weight, the build, the shirt, and the T-shirt to identify the man in the doorway rather than the facial features. Uh, Ralph is very used to helping people, you know, exercise so their clothes fit better. And it was from that point on that we really nailed down the man in the doorway because I would publish as many as 10 blogs about it with different aspects, different proofs. So Larry is now confirming it. But get this, regarding Jack Ruby having shot Lee Oswald, which we all thought we saw on television, uh, Ralph, I mean, I'm just telling you, this is a guy who thinks outside the box. Notice some oddities that the, that the back of the hair uh, that Jack Ruby had a scruffy back of the hairline, but the man who shot uh, Lee Oswald had a very neatly trimmed back of the head, uh, that the the sideburns didn't look right. In fact, the height isn't even quite right. It turns out, and he's presented this case, and I'm persuaded that he is correct, that the person who actually shot Lee Oswald was not Jack Ruby, but an FBI agent by the name of Bookout. James Bookout. And this is really fascinating because uh, Jerry Corsi, who's a longtime student of JFK, was enlisted by uh, InfoWars to do a series on JFK. And and he was going to feature Ralph Sinkay, and then he was going to feature me, and then he was going to feature Larry Rivera. Well, frankly, I never believed it was going to happen. But he did have Ralph Sinkay on. And it may be it was intended to be a setup that Ralph, because as I say, he has this abrasive personality, would turn people off. But Ralph was actually on his best behavior. He talked about all the evidence, height, weight, build, shirt, T-shirt, that we knew that this was Lee Oswald in the doorway without even going into the facial features, which was going to fall to Larry Rivera. Uh, But also... The evidence he'd unmasked that the guy who actually shot Lee Oswald was not uh, Jack Ruby, but look out. And I'm telling you, that got on the air. And I think many people may have thought it sounded so implausible that they were dumbfounded when by the end of the show they realized he'd actually made a convincing case. Did Alex um, let him talk? Oh, it wasn't Alex who was doing the interview. Oh. Uh, it, it was Jerry Corsi, actually. If it was Alex, and, he wouldn't let him get a word in. And he did let him talk. That's well, Corsi, because he's an expert in the area, was given, you know, this assignment to put this together. But he hasn't had me on, nor do I expect that to happen. He hasn't had Larry on, nor do I expect that to happen. Probably but our not. proofs are just so powerful. I mean, look at this particular blog. You know, JFK, Bethesda autopsy photos, not JFK, Oswald frame, Warren report is sham. I mean, if you got the wrong target, you know, if you're blaming this on a lone demented gunman, but he actually was in the doorway at the time the motorcade passed by. And your most important proof is the backyard photograph that actually was staged with a body double. And we've been able to identify the person who stood in for him and that his face was pasted on the backyard photograph, just as he told Will Fritz. I mean, and when it turns out that the body in the autopsy photographs isn't even the body of JFK, I'm telling you, there's just nothing left of the Warren Commission report. Yes, and we are running out of time here, but yes. I do want to just randomly throw out some more questions here. And one of them I, I received uh, multiple times. People want to know your opinion on uh, marijuana, of all things. I think marijuana is great. It's a Super high. It's much better than alcohol. It has less damaging effects than tobacco. You don't get lung cancer from marijuana. You don't get cirrhosis of the liver. Uh, a Doonesbury, you know, uh, Trudeau, Gary Trudeau, 
did a cartoon years and years and years ago where Mr. Butts, representing the tobacco industry, is meeting Mr. J, representing a joint marijuana. And Mr. Butts is boasting how he was responsible for 250,000 deaths last year. And Mr. J has to sheepishly admit he's not responsible for even one. In my opinion, to penalize a generation because it wants to smoke its high rather than drink it is is simply insane. Right. It appears to me to be a lobby for the liquor industry that's worried they're going to lose sales to the marijuana industry. Uh, go to Colorado where they're making a bonanza to offset, you know, the government. So supplementing the government's revenue massively, other states. It's it absolutely should be the case. Many of us were profoundly disillusioned when Barack Obama, right after uh, uh, his election, was asked about legalizing marijuana and said he'd oppose it. Jeff Sessions is a fossil in relation to marijuana. He seems to have been convinced by that ridiculous uh, reefer man. Propaganda, video. right. Yeah, pure, talk about amateurish yeah. propaganda. I I believe in marijuana. I think marijuana is great. The only problem is the illegality uh, uh, in many states forces uh, decent, hardworking Americans to be uh, become criminals if they want to enjoy as a recreational activity smoking marijuana. Yeah, they're often, you know, caught, prosecuted. We're allocating an irrational amount of resources to victimless crimes. They're put in prison. They're taken out of the workforce. So you not only lose the taxes they'd be contributing, but it's costing, I think, on the average, about $100,000 a year per taxpayer for a prisoner incarcerated for what should not be a crime. There's an absolutely brilliant book about it by a guy named, I think it's Peter McWilliams. It's nobody biz, nobody's business if you do. Uh, let me just say, of all the books I've read in my whole life, this is one of the most impactful. This is very, very deep and searching. It's nobody's business if you do. I recommend it highly. Nice. I support the legalization of marijuana 100%. And I do too. I acquiesce. And it's, it's outrageous that in some yeah. places that, um, you would do more time yeah, molesting. It's it's you would ridiculous. do, yeah, you know, you would do more time if you're caught, say, a trafficking uh, marijuana than you would, uh, if you would have molested a child. Right. Or robbed a bank for crying out loud. <laughs> it's, it's atrocious. It's ludicrous. It's completely yes. ludicrous. So I'm it's glad sometimes, Jim, it's sometimes. I, 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 uh -huh. I rarely have a chance to address it, and uh, I'm very pleased. Yes, I'm glad I asked you that. And sometimes I wonder, um, those who created these laws, it makes you seem that they create these laws to protect themselves in a certain way. Well, they're, they're, they're to protect the uh, alcohol industry and the tobacco industry. They're, they're the, these are big business, you know, giants, uh, and they have a forceful lobby. I mean, but it's insane, you know. Yes. Marijuana is better for you. It's a superior high. It has no known after effects or consequences. And, you know, people who argue there are, and you get these new medical studies that claim, here are some heretofore unsuspected hazard of marijuana. It's bullshit. I'll just tell you flat out. It's bullshit. Don't believe it. Yes. And to wrap it up. We are well underway NFL season, and I'm I'm pretty positive you are a fan of um, football, aren't you, Jim? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I college football in particular. I'm convinced oh, okay. of the way that the 
pros are rigged. The most disillusioning experience is the Seahawks losing to the Patriots when they, you know, had this reception at the end of the game on the one yard line. They could have run it in three different chances. And on the first play, uh, Russell Wilson passes and it's intercepted. That was throwing the game away. I'm convinced it was deliberate. Pete Carroll was in on it. I think pro football is scripted. I have a guy who has been for years sending me comments on who's going to win just based on the betting line, and I've never known him to be wrong even once. Yeah, I like I like college a bit better. It seems the like is, yeah. the college game is, appears to me to still be basically honest. They're very hungry. We have, but we yeah. did have a nut job here by the name of Gary Anderson who threw – I'm convinced he threw a, a Big Ten championship game between Wisconsin and Ohio State where we lost by 56 to nothing. It was ludicrous. We were <laughs> going to win a game against LSU, too, by the way, for our pack, our, our great back, uh, Gordon, what is his uh, first name? We right. have this absolutely brilliant. He's playing for the uh, San Diego Chargers right now. Yes. Uh, was just running all over LSU the first half, and Gary Anderson refused to play in the second half, and we wound up losing that game, which would have been very big time because LSU was so highly regarded at the time, and we were just uh, – you know, we were just taking him to the cleaners. So this, this guy, Gary Anderson, I, I regard as completely corrupt, and I'm very glad we got rid of him. He may have uh, given away the game to Ohio State so that they could have this runaway victory and be put into the playoffs, which is what happened as a consequence. We had, of course, a game with Ohio State now for the Big Ten Championship after going 12-0 and and wound up losing. That was a heartbreaker, uh, but I can accept that. Uh, I think it was perfectly right that Ohio State was not put into the Final Four and that Alabama was. I think that was reasonable. You can't put in a team that has two losses into the national championship lest you discredit yourself anyway. Right. I, I've always preferred uh, college ball to the, the NFL because the, the um, students there are a lot more hungrier, in my opinion. They have more drive. Yeah, yeah, no, of course I paid attention to Russell Wilson because he came here, he was a one-year transfer, and he just did brilliant. We won the Rose Bowl with Russell Wilson, so we followed him, uh, you know, the, the Seahawks. My son happens to live in Seattle, so I have a special affection for Seattle and the Seahawks. Ah, uh, yes, I forgot you, gonna, you have a I'm going to be out there, there actually in February. I am going to be giving a talk, and uh, let's see, the, the weekend is, uh, I think it's the, the, the second, third, and fourth, and I'll, I'll be giving a talk in Portland on the second or third of, of February. Oh, what are these uh, venues? You should uh, plug them now if you can. Uh, well, Tim, for those who live in, in Portland, Tim Truitt is the guy to contact. He's, he runs their 9-11. Uh, ben Collett in Seattle, which would be on Sunday. And I think Sunday is the fourth. Saturday is the third. I'm coming out there to participate in a conference about the Middle East and the oh, role of yes. Saudi Arabia in relation to ISIS, 9-11 and all that. So I may wind up giving the talk for the for the 9-11 group on Friday night, but it will be either Friday or Saturday. I'm also going to be giving a talk about JFK on Saturday in the morning, late morning. Where nice. David Robinson would be the contact there. So I, I will, you know, be more specific about this as the plans develop right ah, now, okay. given my travel preferences, but I don't actually have my tickets in hand yet. No problem. And also on a final word, I did get that interview with Mr. Scott Bennett, which turned out to be uh, fantastic. I would love to have both of you on uh, sometime. Oh, yeah. 
I'm a huge fan of Scott. He's a former U.S. Army Intel and PSYOPs officer. He was a he was he was framed for a, a phony case and yes, incarcerated in a low, you know, security penitentiary with uh, Brad Birkenfeld, where he learned all all about the financing for nine eleven. I know, isn't that crazy? I know, is that sensational? Wow. We published a brilliant book, you know, a shell game, and is sent to so many members of Congress years ago, and they haven't responded, which is another proof positive. That's not that surprising. Corrupt to the core. Yes, this whole political system, this conundrum, it's as corrupt as can be, Jim. It's unbelievable. It really is. Of Israel. I mean, this, this Jerusalem thing is just the latest manifestation of what Cynthia McKinney told us years ago, namely when new members of Congress arrive in Washington, perhaps to sign a pledge to put the interests of Israel ahead of those of the United States and those who refuse find themselves confronted with a well-financed alternative candidate or even that their district has been redrawn and they no longer have a seat. Cynthia was able to overcome those obstacles, but most not. And a friend of mine recently asked me, did I know how many members of our present conference, Congress have refused to sign the pledge? And I said, no. And he held up one finger of one hand. One. Outrageous. That APAC. That's why I said to this Jerusalem thing, when I was denouncing Trump and Sheldon Adelson and consigning them to hell for eternity, we might as well, for truth in advertising, redesignate ourselves the United States of Israel. Might as well. The way everything might seems well. to, yeah, everything seems to be interconnected with uh, Saudis and uh, this or that. It's, it's outrageous, really, Jim. Well, Michael, it's such a pleasure for me. I really like you as a host, and I think you're just terrific, and I just enjoy these shows tremendously. Me too, Jim. I hope to one day uh, drink a beer with you, sir. Yeah, that would be fun. All right, Jim. Always an honor and pleasure to have you on the program. And, of course, you could find Jim Fetzer's books at moonrocks.com. And, of course, check out his blogspot. Uh, that's jamesfetzer.blogspot.com, correct? Moonrockbooks.com. Yes, on the blogspot, jamesfetzer.blogspot.com. Yes, Perfect, thanks. Jim. Always an honor and pleasure, and I'll touch base with you again in the very near future, sir. You got it, Mike. All right, take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. And, of course, that was Mr. James Fetzer there. Always fun to have him on the program. And, of course, the second half of the show is coming up. I'm actually kind of scared. I'm feeling a little triggered here tonight. Things might get a little nasty. It it might make it pass, but when all that other garbage comes around, it's going to really do some damage. The biggest problem that we're going to have, though, is not earthquakes. It's not going to be the high tides. It's not going to be any any of that. It's going to be the possibility of an electromagnetic pulse, which will shut down the grid. The government's own study said that if the grid is shut down for a year, 90% of the American population would be dead. Yeah, we're done if that happens. And a welcome back to the program. Hi. How's everyone doing? Often imitated but never duplicated, many of you out there know by now. The time has finally come. Oh, yes. You've been wanting me to go off on a somewhat angry rant. And you know what? Tonight you just uh, might get that. You got to break a few eggs to make an omelet, as they say. Now, if you are easily offended, this is probably the time to shut the show off. Things probably are, um, they probably are going to get a little nasty here. Have you left the room yet? I'll wait a second for you. Is everyone gone? Hmm. All right. 
I received numerous emails this week, and I figured instead of answering those privately, which most of them I already did, I thought, hell, I will answer these publicly too. It's been a while since I've done this sort of thing. It's time to reveal a little more truth out there. This is not going to be pretty. You know, maybe I should start a little bit more on a positive note here first. I think I'll do that. Well, not not exactly a positive note. It's never that positive. This email came from a username by the name of uh, Bitcoin Double Spender One. He writes in or emails in a very good day to you, sir. I hope you are doing great, sir. Wow, he hit me with the sir uh, twice there already. May I please kindly ask who are the two or rather who are the other two or three folks? That is always on your talk show. That is always on your talk show. <laughs> Why are these two or three others always spouting profanity on your talk show? Why are there always so much profanity and evil giggling by these two or three others? Hope to hear from you soon. Thank you very much for your time and kind help. Kind regards as always. Well, I already responded to this person privately, but here we go. I'll, I'll publicly say, uh, say this now. I'm doing fantastic, and a thank you for caring, if you do, by the way. And I'm not quite sure who he means by these two, uh, three folks that are always on the show. There are a few affiliates to my uh, program here, such as Michael Horn, Marshall Masters, and of course... James Fetzer. And then, um, why are these two, three others always spouting profanity on your talk show? Well, sir, this is an adult program. Maybe you should lighten the fuck up every now and then. You must be new, my friend. Welcome aboard to this program. It's unfiltered and unbridled. I like to entertain and inform. I I've done both of those things repeatedly here. And we'll continue to do so. If you dislike profanity, perhaps it's time to listen to a safe show on terrestrial radio. Plenty of right-wing wackos on uh, there. You could you could find plenty of that. This, of course, is a non-PC show. Way out of your element, I'm pretty sure. From my limited understanding of who you are, Mr. Uh, Bitcoin Double Spender, I hope that answered your question and uh, thank you kindly for your email. And of course, this comes from uh, Kahuna Jester 9 And I hope I said your name correctly, my friend. I think that guy was actually in the chat room. Um, for those who are listening right now, um, if you ever want to interact with me and other listeners, you can go to michaeldeacon.com and click uh, chat room there. And that's usually where you'll find myself and other great listeners like yourself including this uh, gentleman who wrote into me, Kahuna Jester 9 Again, I do hope I'm saying your uh, username correctly. He says that he's been listening to the show, uh, my show, for a while. He really enjoys the non-judgmental chill vibe and letting Fetzer go on a rampage on all the usual targets. He finds that hilarious. He also said, what would it be like drinking bourbon at the same time? What would he be like drinking bourbon at the same time? And, you know, I kind of wondered that myself. 
sometimes I'll do this program and I'll, I'll drink every now and then. It'll be fun. It's fun for, for everyone out there, really. Everyone enjoys that. Hearing me, um, get a little bit more rambunctious as the program progresses as I drink. It's always fun. It's, it's great to listen to a little train wreck every now and then. It's a good time. But I'm not sure what he would be like, though, if, if he started drinking on the program now. Now that would be fun and interesting. Maybe, maybe one of these nights I could convince him to drink with me on the air. We'll see what happens. I'll, I won't completely rule that out, out of the, completely rule it out completely there. I'll keep that idea in mind. So thanks for that. <laughs> Thank you for that one. And yes, he continued to say just one more thing as to why people are so drawn to him. And yeah, I agree. When Jim is basically going off the top of his head like I am right now, he is, he's fantastic. He goes all over the place and you know, I'm guilty of doing the same thing. I go all over the board here. I'm guilty of that. And yeah, so many people are so drawn to Mr. Fetz here because he's fantastic. He's a great guy. And uh, Mr. Kahuna went on to say, listening to you talk about getting effed around a bit lately kind of bothered me because it obviously got to you and you weren't sure who it was. He says that he is Kahuna Jester 9. It's just too much fun to say something absurd or make light of thing. A lot of people think I'm a mark, an asshole. Fuck that. Uh, none of my comments are aimed to upset anyone. But if they take it the wrong way, well, fine. Well, people get offended at the smallest thing, and it's skyrocketing. And yes, I agree with you. And he also went on to mention that he hates Judy Wood and Andrew Johnson. And now he's asking if I had heard um, them talking about the California fires. And I, I kind of listened to some of the interview just a few minutes, and normally I, I don't do that because I... Rarely have enough time to really go and listen to, uh, Judy Wood since she's, you know, sort of, she's sort of down there on the, on the priorities list, to be honest with you. And, you know, I don't really like to address lower talent. So, you know, it's, it's not always a good combination for me. But yes, I do appreciate the email greatly. Thank you so much, Kahuna Jester9. I'm glad you are out there and you are listening to the program. Fantastic, really. And I think now, I think now I might get a little bit more nastier here. I'm a little worried. Some people might not like this at all. We also got another crazy person out there by the name of Douglas Dietrich. He is a strange one. You know, I had planned to talk a little bit about him, but to be perfectly honest with all of you, I feel kind of bad for him. I really do. There's a lot going on with that poor man. I'm not sure what's going on with him or his mental health, but every time I hear that guy, he is just way out there. He, of course, accused me of all sorts of silly things, of course, but of course he is wrong, folks. As usual, he can't seem to tell the truth. He really can't. So I won't speak I won't say anything else about the poor guy. I'll just leave it at that. I'll, I'll leave it alone. But, of course, there is sensitive Steve Quell. He's another gentleman who has become kind of upset for whatever reason. First and foremost, I, I've never said anything negative about sensitive Steve Quell out there. 
Not once. He seemed to get kind of mad when I mentioned his name to uh, Peter Kling. And even then, Peter didn't say anything bad. So why he left a negative little comment out there on YouTube is beyond me. It's beyond me. I'm not even sure what happened there. Remember when I told all of you people out there, you never know when you've got heat? Well, this is a pretty fine example of that. All I did was simply ask uh, Mr. Peter Kling about Steve Quell. Then a few days later, he left a little comment on a YouTube saying, we're going to strike your channel. And he left this in all caps. So you mean, so you know, he means business folks. He left it in all caps. Scary, right? Not exactly sure what's up his ass, to be honest with you, but he should uh, relax a little bit. No one said anything bad about him, but there he is, very angry. And of course, I responded to him by saying, bring it on, sister. I thought that was a pretty appropriate response. But yes, I'm not quite sure why he um has been so upset. Maybe I'll email him and ask him. I'll try to bring him on the program. I'll I'll try to do the same with Douglas Dietrich. I'll I'll bring in these two gentlemen who have been very upset with me lately. Of course, I don't think it's actually going to go down. Douglas won't be on the program, and neither will Mr. Quell, sensitive Quell. Oh, by the way, before I forget, and I'll read that last email to all of you before I wrap it up, I did want to give a big thank you to those in Russia and Germany. They have been really supportive of the program lately, leaving me very, very flattering emails. It's been tremendous, really. Of course, Canada and the Netherlands and Sweden those are great places that have been pretty supportive of the program, too, and I do thank them. Now, a listener by the name of Ed, not sure where he's from, but he did ask me why I haven't done uh, these email segments and why is there someone copying me. <laughs> um, well, let me tell you something, Ed. There's a few people out there who rip me off directly, some of which you'll find on Terrestrial Radio, but that's another story. And uh, terrestrial radio, it's a um, lot to say about that. Just know that I have some shit on them, too. So they know they can't legally do anything because there's dirt everywhere. I don't think they know it, but I know it. Now, Ed, I used to host another show sort of like this one, but that one was a real disaster. As I say on um, this opening Segment I'm often imitated, but never duplicated, and it's very true. Again, that's a whole nother story. The co-host of uh, the program, his name was Daniel. He was a very real, ignorant, brain-dead, unoriginal individual. I'll speak on that in a moment. Here's the deal. This is someone who should have appreciated my time and my efforts to keep a ship, uh, a sinking ship rather, from completely sinking. I should... That's a better way of saying it. Of course, he and many others continue to rip me off in various ways. And of course, he lacks any sense of um, any originality. It's mind-blowing how unoriginal he is. Definitely has a voice for print, as they say in the business. My advice for him would be to start uh, making videos of himself playing video games on Twitch. That's a much better constructive thing for him to be doing. 
opposed to continuing to make a complete joke of himself, more so than he already is. Basically, he is someone I can win an argument against without even saying a word. The whole listener email thing wasn't... Oh, you could, can you hear the phone ring? You can hear the little landline there? I'm not sure who's calling me. Oh, that's awful. It was the, the CIA's calling me, folks. I'm sorry about that. I'm not sure what that was all about. I, I ran quickly to try to answer it, but they hung up. Now back to the story here, folks. I'm sorry about that. I had to run out the room there. Yes, the whole email thing. Um, this is, this is going to be bad, but you know what? It's time to have a little fun. So we're going to have a little fun here and enlighten you here and pull the curtain back just a little bit here. The the whole email, the whole listener email thing, rather, of course, was my creation. But, of course, that's not an original concept. It's been done so many times before. I just started doing it randomly on the show. Here is a little unknown fact, though, that only one other person knows. What I always found interesting was every email I had received, none of them ever asked for the opinion of the co-host, quote-unquote. Not once. I am actually the one who inserted his name, for he wouldn't cry and bitch like he did behind the scenes all the time. Always crying and bitching about something. He was um, completely sensitive. The only emails I ever got in regards to that twat uh, were complaints telling me to get him off the program to, and uh, to do a show alone. I have plenty of those emails today. I've gotten just countless emails about how dumb and ignorant he was, how shitty he sounded, that he sounded like Ricky Lake. You get the picture. There's there's much more. And, you know, it really came to a point that I told him about the various complaints about him. He got upset, bitched and moaned, told me to stop telling him about it. He basically just was very emotional about it. He did not like that. Nothing original ever came out of his poor mouth. Poor guy. And I'll give you another example of that. He wanted to do a, a listener, like a listener party thing. I just thought, what a delusional shithead. We don't even have a big enough audience for something like that. And of course, he got that idea from ICP, the insane clown posse. Jesus fucking Christ, are you serious? <laughs> you know, it's awful. What a terrible idea he of course wanted to call it some sort of gathering as well it's just bad idea after bad idea they were always just rip off bits from shows from the past just a hundred percent rip offs from everywhere else it's just awful if you don't believe me i still have most of these text messages that are just completely laughable and atrocious really I still have some of those text messages he sent me after he quit and cried. He told me he wanted to find a job. He wanted to find a girlfriend. He wanted to enjoy his birthday and get away from all of this. And and uh, he told me I I have his blessing. Like I really needed anything from him. <laughs> oh boy. So, you know, I, I didn't really waste my time. I, I went ahead and created my own show. What I've accomplished on my own here on this run has been completely fantastic. I have really outgrown the old rubbish of what I was being held back by. 
The proof is in the numbers, and the facts don't care how you feel. And the facts are that uh, my co-host was an abortion. He really acted like a bitter ex-girlfriend. It was the most bizarre thing, really. He, of course, has been spouting plenty of of uh, inaccurate information, plenty of half-truths, never really revealing any actual truth on any issue. Typical shitbag behavior, really. It's um awful, really, and, you know, he just stinks. I could go on and on and on, but I'm looking at the time, and we are definitely running out of time. As sad as that, as sad as I am, really, I don't want to just close this up, close all of this uh, dialogue up here. I especially like the whole victim portrayal on his part. Anyone who listens to his erroneous and fallacious information that he spews out of his mouth should really be sent off to some sort of island, possibly put down for all of humanity's sake. Is that is that too much? He stinks. I just just repeating what what others have said. I think so too. And you know, you know, again, we we can go all night doing this, but I do hope that puts things into some perspective for some of you out there who have inquired about the past. Keep in mind, I've never lied or told any half uh, truths here at all about anything, really. I've been pretty damn transparent about everything here. I'm just so glad to get rid of the parasite. And I'm glad you have been here to watch and listen to the program grow. And keep in mind, folks, if you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at michaelendofdays at gmail.com. Always fun. I'll answer everyone's emails or concerns. I could probably do that privately if you don't want me to address it publicly, uh, publicly here for those. We won't have to do that. And if you are listening to a replay, keep in mind, we are live every Saturday at 8 p.m. That's 11 p.m. Eastern Time. And yes, this is a call-in show. Please don't forget. And I apologize to those who did call in. I didn't answer any calls tonight. That's kind of mean, right? It's kind of mean. I didn't answer anyone's emails. Or phone calls, rather. A couple emails did come in, though, but I didn't answer those. Sorry about that. Next week, though, we'll return and um, I'll answer more questions from all of you out there. And, of course, if you enjoyed tonight's program and want to help keep the program moving and expanding, please feel free to donate any amount you'd want at uh, michaeldeacon.com. Click the little donate button there. I appreciate it. And uh, tonight has been a bit of a rattlesnake, hasn't it, boys and girls? I hope this evening has been entertaining for you, and of course, I hope it's been very informative. As usual, I bow my heads to you in respect for listening. Always an honor and pleasure to be here, really. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, Good night, everybody. Sherry. Sweating the hardest part out. I'm not that way. I'm a Christian. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. Drop out of bed. Drop out of bed. You mentioned the Illuminati. We've got to go into the whole thing, but the Illuminati certainly is part of the whole Bye-bye. thing. The, the top members of the Illuminati are overpushing. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like, it's clear. <laughs> <laughs>
How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Hogan right now. It's crazy. I had no idea this shit existed before 726. It's just the simplest shit. You go in there, you see the bud tender, you got a nickel about it, you know, you comfort them. I'll bring it by you comfort them. That's what I want. Just for what it's worth, I want to put in my two cents to tell you both that you have one of the most incredibly well-rounded shows. Introducing the greatest tag team on the radio.